Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Okay, and welcome to this topical life. Today we have Hayden Olson, and he is one of the founders, along with his wife, of Element Fitness. Um, Element Fitness, I have talked about on here before um, previously, but I'm so excited to have Hayden here because he was really the first one, first person in Element Fitness, and Element Fitness is out of Westland, Oregon, um, by the way, but... um, Anyway, he was one of the first people I ran into and we had some deep conversations right off the bat because I hadn't really done this kind of CrossFit type workout um, in quite a while when I first entered um, about a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, so when you're doing that kind of workout and there's some grievances in the past, you know, like you don't just do this workout to just go, you know, just pull out a few pull-ups or push-ups or whatever. You're doing this because out of purpose and intention in your life. And it was such a gift for me to walk into Element Fitness and see people like-minded in the sense of just wanting to just get a little extra out of life. But as I've grown into it more, I've learned more about Hayden's mentality and just the whole Element Fitness and people's mentality there. Um, so I invited Hayden to talk today and um, just about his process and how one of the things that, uh, we first, well, just, we were talking by ourselves and I just was like, how did you get into this or that kind of thing? And he's like, well, actually, you know, in my old job, I was a real, you know, not so nice guy, (laughs) like all this stuff. And it was like shocking because I was just like, I think he's really nice. So anyway, I just, hi. 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 And yeah. And, um, so we're just going to start how about we start with, um, we're basically just going to go through Hayden's journey, you know, just whatever pops up and starting with the fact that he used to live, um, where? In Florida. Okay. Yeah. In Florida. And he's married to Lauren Olson, who is also a coach Yes. who I adore and then has three beautiful girls and I'll let you say their names and yep. ages. It's Gabrielle and, and she's nine. We have Victoria and she's eight. And then we have little Isabel who is just turned three just turned through wow already three so yes. that means preschool yes but my my wife is the one that shoulders most of the burden all the time yes and shout out to lauren Woo! yeah and so not <laughs> only is she a coach and a probably a better coach than me and she's tougher than me so a lot of the really hard workouts at element were all her ideas oh so, man really yeah so she's pretty tough but lauren. she's also i think this year going to homeschool the kids oh okay so uh Cool. She just continually ups her game and right. taking on more and more. And, and she's someone that, that I aspire to be like because of what she does from a selfless service standpoint. Mm-hmm. She's very selfless in what she tries to do. I mean, I get to come on podcasts like this. I get to stand in front of a group in the morning and lead a group or, or talk at a Be Still conference. Um, and it's really because she's shouldering the load at home. Of course. If she right. wasn't doing any of that stuff, none of this would have happened. Right. So. Which is huge. So Lauren, shout out to you, girl. Um, she's, she's a really, she's a sweetheart. Um, 
So you lived in Florida, you both. Lived in Florida, yeah. She was working, you were working. How did this all transpire? Okay, yeah. So I worked for an avi- a government contractor there, aviation company, doing aviation management, business management all over the world. Um, she worked for, she was basically the CFO of a 36-hole country club golf course. Oh, wow. Um, uh, she's got a CPA, MBA, like total professionals. Uh, everything was going good. We lived in a house, very nice house, you know, waterfront views kind of stuff. And uh, and we were just always, I don't know, my heart was always searching. And I remember I got challenged one time. It was on a, uh, a New Year's Eve kind of service, if you will, at a church. And the pastor just said, hey, if, you know, I want to challenge everybody in this upcoming year to just read the Bible for 15 minutes every day. And even if it's just words on a page, like some of the stuff at the beginning of the Bible is just like genealogy. And you're like, I can't even pronounce any of these words. So how am I supposed to read this? But uh, he said, just do that for 15 minutes, even if you're reading the words and then eventually it's going to come alive. And I grew up Christian, but I never really, uh, what I would say is by that point, really followed in a significant way. And so I thought, well, I can read 15 minutes a day before bed. Like that's easy. So I started doing that. And anyways, at one point, um, I was reading and everything started to kind of come 3D. So what I was reading started to become almost like uh, analogous to what was happening in my real life. And one of the things that was happening is um, I had gotten a call from a company out in Oregon um, to come interview for a position. And uh, I thought to myself, okay, well, we'll look at it. Um, Lauren, my wife, is born and raised in Florida. Um, I was born in Montana, but raised in Florida and grew up right next to her in our same little town. Um, Wait, because you guys knew each other in high school? We knew each other in high school, yeah. Wow. So we went to the same high school. Never so, dated in high school, but okay, yeah. but we knew each other. And then... Uh, Were you in the same grade? Sorry. No. she's. I have a two-year uh, younger sister, and that was she was in Lauren's grade. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, and they played volleyball together and stuff like that. Oh, so wow. So definitely knew of her and knew of her family, um, but, but never really hung out with her, didn't really know her really... A whole lot so anyways uh going back to this kind of trip so i started coming out here and interviewing and uh when we started looking at the pay and we started looking at what we would have to give up because lauren would have to lauren wasn't going to have a job out here she had a job back in florida and uh when you kind of looked at the pros and cons list it didn't pencil out and i remember thinking to myself man there's something about this that i really like but it just doesn't make sense. And when your wife's a forensic accountant, like she knows. Forensic it accountant. <laughs> That's another label I haven't heard of it. A forensic accountant. Yes. She's, That's awesome. uh, she'll tell you when the numbers don't stack up. <laughs> right, right, right. She'll yeah. let you know. Right. And I remember going to bed one night and I'd pray about it every night. And this has been a while. And then I just woke up the next morning and it was like I had this conviction, this really strong conviction that I'm, we're supposed to take the job and move to Oregon. And I remember waking up and just knowing in my heart, I felt like God was telling me, like, I'm going to I'm going to bless you guys through this. Like, we're going to do great things through this move if you go. And uh, I remember waking up and and Lauren woke up and I'm like, hey, I'm pretty sure like I should take the job. and We should go. And she's like, why don't you have a cup of coffee before you like make life altering decisions? (laughs) Especially before she's had, has had a cup of coffee, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't remember if she exactly said that, but I feel right. like that's what she meant. Yeah. So anyways, we took the job, even though on paper, you would have never taken that job. 
stupid. Yeah, I mean, it would look stupid. Yeah, oh yeah, income tax is higher out here. Wasn't getting meaningful more more money. We're going from two incomes to one income. Like no family support, and we didn't know anybody. You so you were coming. I mean, it's out. like you're moving to a foreign country. Yeah, it's it was, and for her, born and raised there, all of her family's there, all of that stuff, and it was, you know, it was going into the unknown. And now she's a, a, a very successful working professional who's now going to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. and that transition and everything that goes along with that. So, right. um, you know, I tell the story, I've told it a couple times and people are like, wow, the faith that you had to like believe in that conviction and that word and to like move across the country. And what I always tell people is, yeah, but my faith, because I had that conviction, there was something that came over me that I knew that this was the right thing to do. It pales in comparison to Lauren's faith because she had to believe that I had that moment. Right. She had to believe in me. And I think that's so much harder than waking up from that dream or that you know you have a word and that it's something that you should do. And all really I had to do was act on it. Right? Right. She had to believe that. And sacrifice. Yes. Well, yeah, there was some sacrifice there, but she had to believe in me. Right. And that's another person. That's not believing in God. That's believing in another person, which I think takes even more faith. So anyways, we moved out here. And we moved out for a job. It was for my job. And um, how, and so wait, how long ago was that now? Almost five years ago. Five years. Okay, wow. It hasn't been too long. No. Really. A lot's happened in that <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> a lot has happened. So you moved out here. Yep. No, no new, n- knew no one. Knew no one. Started the job. Yep. And <clears throat> what's interesting already of what you said about your story too is that you know, your, your faith was fairly new in a sense, like the time period of when you had the conviction to come and you reading the Bible and feeling like that was becoming 3d part of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a short amount of time, right? Yeah. And I would say I always knew about God and about the Bible. I was raised in a Christian family and I do feel like I knew that Jesus was real and he died for us and, and all of that. But I think there's very much a difference between knowing about the Bible and about faith and actually having faith and taking the action steps associated with really believing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that since then where, you know, we say we believe things until you actually have to make a decision and an action mm-hmm. associated with that belief. Um, it's a lot easier to say it, I believe it, than to actually do the steps that proves that you believe it. Right. And so that was probably the first time in my life, actually the second time, there was a time prior to that and selling a house that something happened that was a God story only, but that was probably the first time that it required such dramatic action to basically, do I really believe this? If so, take the job, put your house on the market, go move across the country, 3,100 miles away. Yeah. That takes a lot of faith and trust and everything. Or a little bit of stupidity. (laughs) Yeah. Or a little bit of stupidity. So did you have a lot of people like, you're crazy, you're this or that like did you have did you feel like things were kind of against you a little bit or did things just kind of open up for you like in that process I don't know if I had a lot of people tell me that I was crazy because I was really good at spinning it on how great of an opportunity it was right even though when you really look behind the scenes it wasn't necessarily on paper such a great opportunity yeah um but I believed it right that that thing that I when the Lord put that on my heart like I I knew that that was real and so for me, that's all I really needed. It wasn't easy. Like that transition wasn't fun. It wasn't easy moving across the country. We had two little kids at the time. Um, 
and it was it was crazy it yeah. was it was hard on on all of us moving away from family like that sure absolutely absolutely and so like when you got here and you got into the job then how did things transpire there like just with your life and transitions and what got you to yeah I think it was so um, one of the things we did is while I was I, we didn't move right away when I started this job. So for the first six months, I traveled back and forth. Okay. And so when we were looking for a house, what I would do is I would come out here and when I would stay on the weekend, I would stay in the, at a hotel in the local neighborhoods and then go to the local church and see what did I think about the community and, and the local church and so on and so forth. And the guy that hired me um, recommended to me, um, uh, he said he lived in Lake Oswego. He said, I would, I would have moved to West Lynn if I did it over. And there was a great little church there. And so one of the weekends I just stayed there and went to this church and it happened to be Willamette. And, uh, so when we moved, that's where we were going to church. Okay. And, uh, and right away, uh, this guy comes on the announcements, they have video announcements and he comes on the announcements and he looks similar to one of Lauren's brothers. Oh, weird. And so I just look at her and I'm like, Oh, it, that guy looks like your brother. And so after church that service, we go out in the lobby and, and Brandon Reynolds, who, who was the guy in the video, uh, is in the lobby. And so Lauren, who, who normally I think people would say is very shy and kind of intimidating, yeah. walks right up to him and goes, hey, my husband thinks you look like my brother. Like just <laughs> Random. Yeah. And you're laughing because you know Lauren. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Like, that's just so out of character. <laughs> Anyways, we end up getting in a conversation and Brandon invites me out for coffee. And so oh. we, we go and have coffee uh, during work one day and just get to know him. And then he invited me to lunch with another couple guys. And he basically asked us to be in this core group where we're going to do life. We're going to talk about our marriages and our relationship with God. And, and we're going to talk about our kids and our work. And we're going to do it at such a level that we really get to know each other. And so we started, um, my wife calls it the, I think she calls it the fab four, okay. but, uh, but we would meet every other week for a lunch and they're business professionals and different walks of life and, um, different kind of stages of life. You know, one person's like 10 years ahead of me. Um, we got some other people at my level, but it's, uh, it was amazing for me. I'd never, I never really had relationships like that where you really dove in. I mean, you had the people you grew up with that you knew each other because you were there during the past. Right. Like you knew them that way, but none in a sense that I have to be vulnerable and open with you and you're going to do the same thing for me. And that over time, I'm going to develop this level of like love and caring for you because I know about you and I understand your struggles and I know I'm at a detailed level. And so we started that path and that's between that and then Lauren going to some of the like women's retreats and stuff and just through the church itself. Uh, we've developed just phenomenal relationships. And in that group, I was at one of the lunches where one of the guys in the group says, man, I'm, I gotta drop a couple pounds. And, uh, another guy in the group's like, I need to put a couple pounds on. Yeah. And, um, and I had done at that point, I'd been doing CrossFit for probably six to seven years. Uh, prior to that, it was one of the things that I loved about being a working professional is I could go somewhere for an hour, somebody else programs, they totally kick my butt for the hour. I feel great about it. And I leave and it's done. Right. And I just have to show up the next day. And um, so I, I loved it. I went and got my level one certification, coaching certification. Um, and so I told him, I said, hey, well, let's, let's maybe I'll draft a little workout 
and we can all do it and like record back our times or the number of reps or whatever it's going to be, whatever the workout is. And I'll help you lose some weight and I'll help you put on some weight. And so we started doing that once a month. Wait, so you got together once a month or you would just put, no, no. I, would, I would like text string them. Oh, like, okay. Hey, do this workout. And it would be like a hundred squats and 50 push ups and whatever. Okay. Uh, but then tell me when you're done, like do it as fast as you can. And then you got to text everybody your time when you're oh, done. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of how it started. Oh, okay. Got it. But what we realized is we were all getting so sore from doing that just <laughs> once a month that it ruined the whole week after that, that one time. Right. And so finally one of the guys was, everybody loved it. Right. They loved the camaraderie of it. They loved it. And so we're like, okay, let's, uh, let's do it once a week. Well, and we thought that was a great idea cause we were sore for that whole week. Well now it just made us sore all month. Right. Cause you're only working right. out once a week. Right. And so then finally someone's like, okay, twice a week. And once we started going to twice a week, at that point we were meeting at a, at a facility and working out together. Um, we were all bringing our own equipment and uh, working out at the track or working out at a playground or the church has this little middle school kind of uh, space in a strip mall that we would work out in. And, uh, and then they started inviting people, their friends. And so organically through no advertising, no nothing, um, probably by the end of that summer, we had started in February kind of doing this monthly thing. By the end of that summer, we had between six and 12 people showing up four times, three to four times a, more, uh, a week now, because I had expanded the number of times, doing these workouts. Wow. And that's basically the start of what turned into uh, Element Fitness. Okay, so then how did it, so how did it get really official then? Well, so it, like it was- what means it element and all that? The, I mean, I know what it means, but just the, for- Yeah, you know what it means. Yeah, I, <laughs> the, I have felt it. <laughs> Um, we were, uh, we were going to, uh, the church has a men's retreat called man camp. It's great. Yeah. So it's a great that. thing. And I'm it's, uh, we were there and I was coming back with one of those, uh, those guys, Kirk, who's in my, that, that fab four, as Lauren calls it. I don't call him that by the way, right. but that's what she calls it. Um, and we were driving back and we were talking about the workouts, but what we were talking about is how, how the workouts that we're doing and the talks that we had afterwards and, the way that we got together and had lunch and when we talked about our relationships with God and what was going on in our in that part of our life and then our relationships with our family and work and and then um, since he was trying to put on weight I was telling him hey do these things on nutrition and since he was trying to lose weight I was like hey do these things on nutrition and uh, I remember having this conversation with Kirk and going well people think it's just a workout but it's way more than a workout I said that's only one element of what really transforms somebody. And as soon as I said that, it was like my spirit just exploded. And it was wow. like, right, it is only one element. And so then we started just, I just started praying about it. I'm like, what are these elements that, you know, that if you do these things, like it, it, we get these results that we were just kind of seeing organically. Right. And, uh, and I felt like, okay, well the elements are, you know, this hard physical training which isn't necessarily just for the physical, and we can talk about that later, but the physical training, the nutritional, supplying your body with the vitamins and minerals it needs and the content and the, and the quality and the, uh, the amounts that it actually needs, um, your relational health, so having a group of people that you can do that with. We found that these workouts cause people to get to know each other and bond mm -hmm. really fast right. and really get to know each other and care for each other and encourage each other. Um, your spiritual health, 
um, in your mental and emotional health. And the last two, that spiritual and mental and emotional, um, as Element kind of started, I knew that those were the things that were put on my heart. I knew that those were the things that were, were harder to get at, to change in somebody, to access in somebody, but it was easy to invite them to a workout. But we knew that over time, when they would come to these workouts, eventually the mental issues or the lies that they believed or the anxieties or fears that they had in life would start to surface. Right. And we started seeing that in people and then we're like, wow. And then once you start getting at those, we saw some of the, what do you really believe? Some of the spiritual stuff start to come out. And then they would open the door and allow for, you know, you to talk to them about what is it that they really believe, misbelieve, disbelieve. And, um, and what we found is people that then put in, in place kind of intentional living in all five of those just saw this crazy transformative growth. I mean, from tired dad who doesn't have any energy when he gets home to play with his kids to running a massive nonprofit and working a job and starting an element themselves. And I mean, we just saw some of these stories that you would see on TV. Right. And, and so that in essence was the genesis of, of element to go, okay, it's more than just the physical. That's only one element of truly setting the conditions for uh, growth. Right. Well, you know, I think, some people could look at this situation and be like, well, that's great. That's great for them. You know, that's good for them. They got it dialed in. They got, they have it all blah, 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 or whatever. But I think what, you know, from the outside looking in, someone might think that. And then when they start to experience it, like, for instance, like you said that, you know, when you're at the, with these workouts, you're being just as transparent as, as you're living life too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, Hayden was generous enough to show us a picture of himself before he started whatever doing CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. He looks completely different. And I hadn't seen that picture before. <laughs> I was just like, I know what he believed and I knew how he lives his life and stuff like that. But, but I have known him for a consistently long time of being what, how I see him and what he looks like. So I've seen how that, those five elements and, and how it's worked in his life through his, you know, through a couple, like a year. But then I, in like halfway through that, I see this picture of him that he, he was before he even did started doing any workout really. Right. Yeah, right. And it was completely different. And I just thought, wow, like he has consistently, I mean, it's not about having 10 pounds here, 20 pounds here. This, I mean, you were significantly different. And so like in the workouts or just like when we talk about daily life um, after a workout or something like that, um, you'd be like, well, you know, I haven't had the best week in this way or, you know, I've had a rough month. I gained, you know, you wouldn't say like you've gained, but you're just like, you'd be like, yeah, I've just been eating bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you would just get back onto your, get back on track. You'd just be honest and vulnerable and, and that just helps everybody just keep going and being consistent. Right. Well, then when you showed that picture, I was like, what the, this isn't just like being off track. That was like, you had already transformed in such a profound way 
And so your little mess ups here and there were like nothing compared to how, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I'm saying the words right, but like consistency had completely paid off Yeah. regardless of five pounds here, you know, just consistent. So what, and I find that super encouraging because I think people are harder on themselves Mm -hmm. generally with or without God, just in general, just like, are like, um, I failed Yeah. or I have done this or I didn't go to the class for three weeks or, and that is just not reality. I mean, that's not how it works. I think it comes back to what I've, what, cause I hear all those excuses now. Mm-hmm. Right. And it really comes back to, cause I think people believe that stuff and it's lies about them. It's false identities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a, a great opportunity to study kind of identity and biblical identity and God-given identity with a guy and, and gal, Jamie and Donna Winship. They're awesome. And, Are they um, like through what? Through an apprenticeship program that they did here in Portland uh, last year, I believe. And uh, I'd studied with them for six months on, so these, it... on these concepts. Oh, okay. okay. And but, but I think like getting back to your point of like, oh, well, that's just not me. I mean – Every one of those elements, if you were to talk about it being weak and almost dead, that was me 10 years ago. Like it was weak and almost dead. But on the outside, you would say, oh, he's pretty successful. He's, uh, he's got a good job, you know, can eat, eats whatever he wants, which was obvious by the picture if you would have seen it. Oh. <laughs> and, and you would have thought everything was just like, oh, that, that guy is very successful and has got it made. But um, that wasn't the case, right? I was completely insecure. Um, when we started having kids, I was worried I wasn't going to be able to play with my girls. I have an old football injury, and my knee is messed up, and um, I was having a hard time playing football, like in the at the beach and basic stuff. You know, as a fairly young person, um, that I couldn't do. That, and I have the rest of my life to look to look forward to this. I was I was actually enslaved or trapped. By those things that I thought were so wonderful is my freedom. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can all this kind of stuff. It was it was completely the opposite. And you know what? It didn't happen overnight. Um, it was little small changes. A tweak to I'm no longer drinking soda. A tweak to uh, I want to eat more vegetables. A tweak to um, I'm going to work out three days a week. I'm going to or I'm going to make myself go to CrossFit for their accountability or whatever it was. I mean, but those things over time, and I didn't do them all at once. It wasn't a cold turkey story. Um, it was little small changes that over the course of the next eight years is the the product that you see now, you know, uh, and it didn't, didn't all happen overnight. I think, and the reason that I talk about those other areas of my life and the weakness, um, so for those of you that don't know, at the end of the workout, um, myself or John or one of the other coaches will get up and we'll give maybe five, ten minutes, depending on how much time we have, and we'll just talk, whatever's mm-hmm. put on our heart yeah. that day. Typically for me, that was the things that I was dealing with or struggling with in my real life. Sure. I would just share it with that group of people that just gave everything they had physically, mentally – and, you know, are laying there sweating and they can't talk back because they're out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> I've been one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I would just share what, what is happening in my real life. And oftentimes the areas of struggle or the areas where I would say I've identified this 
is because I knew what kind of what right looked like for me, how, how God's made me and specifically designed me and what my weaknesses are. And they're really in those five categories. I think my wife described this to me and I use it now. I stole it from her. But the five elements, if you think about it as spokes on a wheel. And so we are the center and we're the hub. And these, these ways are spokes on a wheel. And that wheel, if all of those five elements are strong and growing, the circumference and the strength of the outside of that wheel is really strong. And if we just weaken one of those, if you just say, you know what, I'm working out hard and, you know, I, my, my spiritual, I know who I am. I know my spiritual identity, who I am, and, and I'm comfortable with that. Um, mentally and emotionally, I'm dealing with fear and anxiety and I got that dialed. I have some great friends that love me, that I love them. And my relationships are, are working good. And you know what? So I can eat whatever I want. Bring the pizza and maple bars on. Yeah. Um, what you'll find is this, just like on a wheel, all of a sudden one of those spokes gets structurally, you know, compromised, that wheel starts to flat spot a little bit. And so as that wheel rolls, it's not as efficient anymore. Well, that flat spot changes the structural integrity of the whole wheel. So now the other spokes are having to carry more of a burden and they start weakening. Right. Well, pretty soon, now you've weakened multiple spokes on that wheel and now the whole wheel is starting to collapse. And it's starting to come in and how I, how I kind of look at that is if the wheel's diameter, the circumference of the wheel is kind of your sphere of influence for the people around you. And as you work on these five elements and they continue to grow, that sphere continues to grow. People are attracted to that. But as those one element gets weak and starts impacting the other elements, that wheel contracts. And what happens is, is you get start getting self-conscious. You start believing lies about yourself and you want to isolate. I don't want to go to work out because I've been eating like crap. So now I can't do what I used to be able to do. And since I don't go to work out, I'm just going to sleep in or I don't want to talk to so-and-so or I don't want to, I'm not going to meet them for lunch because normally I work out with those guys and I don't want to have to see them. Right? Like you can see how one thing mm -hmm. starts to have an impact on all, every one of those. And you know where you end up and it's slow and it's gradual, but all of a sudden you end up and I don't want to see anybody and I'm isolated. And that's when those lies that, you know what, I'm just not, this isn't for me. I'm not good enough. I never was a good athlete. That's what I told myself. All these things that I'm telling you is what I told myself. I'm just not an athlete. I can't do these workouts. I'm just never going to be good at this. You know what? I'll just go do what I'm good at. And you know what? I don't need their approval. I just got to do me. Right. All of these things are lies that get us isolated. So isolation is the... It's death. It's, it's, it's death. It's death. And we think like, oh, I just got to be by myself and recharge. And periodically, that's good. But it's to recharge to do what? So I can be 100% and impact and carry the load for the people around me. Right. And you can recharge without giving up all the elements. In fact, probably need a few of those elements to recharge, technically. Totally. Te technically. Um, so with that consistency, so like in bringing out the ugly because life is ugly and then we are ourselves can be ugly to ourselves. Um, staying consistent, like, you know, you have a bad week, like getting, like you were saying, like with people's lot, like people that you see tell lies, like, Oh, I can't do this or I failed at this. So I can't do this or do that. What are some things that there are some things I've heard you say, like in, in a workout and you usually bring it up while we're working out. Like you think, like you'll say, um, and I think John does this too, or something like, 
this is life. This is life. And you're facing it and you're going to do one more. Like do one more of this and show yourself the lie that you're believing Mm -hmm. or, you know, those kind of things. And sometimes that happens and not always, but like those things get mentioned. And that has actually translated in that moment of saying that to things that I've been like, yeah, I, I just told myself I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I did five more reps. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from and how, and I'm just not, it's funny because, um, I am not like a super, I don't like to be yelled at, you know, like I've told, like, I don't like, I like encouragement, but I'm not very good at like, it's, I just, if you tell me to go faster, I'll somehow like end up going slower. It's just this weird thing. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. But, but I've gradually kind of come out of that a little bit. Like, I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it a little bit more, just a little bit more. My, you know, and then just kind of playing around with it. And it has, I have changed a little bit in that way, but I don't really know where I was going with this, but consistency. So when the uglies come and the lies have had, you know, getting out of getting back into consistency, like what is that? What is consistency really? Like, you know, like when you watch like Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. or, you know, hear people talk about diets and this and that and be like, well, this is consistency paid off. Like mm-hmm. consistency, consistency. What, how does that translate to real life? Really? Because with working out and mm-hmm. having those elements that you work on and just investing in, um, and then life happens mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, well, how do I be consistent in that? Yeah. So let's unpack the ugly on that because I feel like, it's so hard though. Like, what do people do with the lies? Like, what is something that you say or what, you know, have you seen people change with, do you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, totally. And and then I'll, I'll use, you know, I like to use examples of, sure. of me. Okay. So let's talk about Hayden. Then. Um, and That's I think why you're let's, here. let's exposing. So the whole reason that we design workouts to be difficult and that's on purpose mm-hmm. is to get people to want to quit. That's on purpose. I want to get you to the point where you're physically exhausted because typically we put up these physical facades and barriers in life and we're like, oh, I'm this person or I, and we do this. And it's not really until you get totally physically exhausted when you can't hold that facade up anymore that you really start to access what's the stuff that's really in the back of your mind that's driving these other behaviors. And so there was a Saturday workout and I don't, we don't do a normal element Saturday workout, but I get people like, crazy people like John and Mark. And these are um, guys that I've been training for a long time that want to go maybe the next level up where you almost, you got to try to almost literally kill them to get them to, to work out hard. Yeah. And I remember we did this three round workout where it was, you had to track your reps and you had to try to get whatever reps you could do the first round. You had to try to meet yourself to meet the reps in all three rounds. And so we finished with three rounds and I'm done and I'm exhausted. And, and I had a really good round one. I beat everybody. So I was really proud of myself beating (laughs) John and Mark because these, for those of you who don't know, they're amazing. Um, and, and then John says to everybody, all right, let's do round four. And then if you don't get the same number of reps you got in round one, we're all going to do 25 burpees. Oh, and this didn't come out audibly, (laughs) but my mind, I immediately went, no, there is no way possible I can ever get that many reps again. No, why are we doing this? And 
It was in that moment that I like I caught it. That thought, just like with a flycatcher, and I caught it and I went, who? That's a lie. Who says I can't do that? Where's that coming from? But you know where it came from? That's what I really believed about myself. The still that lie that I'm not an athlete. I can't dig like other people can dig. Um, I can't do this stuff. That surfaced. It was still there. And this is two months ago. We're talking that recent. And I've been doing this for how many years now? And two months ago, I was like, there's no way I can do that. So I caught that lie. I confessed it to all of them. I said, you guys want to know the thought I just had? Here's my thought. So you know what? We have to do round four and I have to get there. Like no option because I don't believe, I can't allow that lie to dictate and identify who I am. And so we did round four and I didn't beat it, but I tied it. Well, heck yeah. That's awesome. We still had to do the 25 burpees, but I, I glad because <laughs> John's ruthless. Right, right, John. right, right. But, um, but I've never done 25 burpees more excited in my life because we rendered that lie useless. And so when you're talking about in the middle of the workout, when I usually say right now you're trying to throttle back into what's comfortable, right? You're already working hard, but you're just going to go comfortable. Growth isn't in comfort. Comfort is what we already have. Growth is beyond discomfort. I've heard someone say it, uh, that say this, it wasn't mine. Somebody else said it, but the fast way or the shortcut to maturity is through suffering. And like, if you want that other side, you're going to have to go push yourself beyond what you think is really there to really uncover how far you can go back there. And so do I, I don't use that all the time because I think you can overuse that, but there are times and I'm usually watching other people and we're around each other enough and working out. I can tell when people are going hard or when they've kind of downshifted into fourth gear and they got a good cruise going. Yeah. And it's like, at that point, I feel like working out just gives us access to those lies. And what I care more about when people show up is that you can start to recognize that voice. So when you are sitting at work or you are sitting at home and you go, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I'm just not good at having this conversation. You go, says who? Says who? Right. Where's that coming from? That's the same exact voice that said there's no way you're going to be able to get that many reps. It's the same voice. Right. Prove that one wrong. Right. You know what? Maybe it's time to go sit down and have that conversation. Right. And I still like this happens to me probably weekly now where there's another one of those voices that pops up and goes, oh, well, you just you're just not good at this. It's just not you. Yeah. Says who? Right. And we, I mean, if we're all honest with ourselves, we have that. We totally have that. In fact, I mean, part of the reasons why I work out for me personally are those things that you were talking about. But before I get into that, basically consistency then comes from not believing the lies. Yeah. Getting I think here's better. Here's what you at. have to do. You have to believe in the approach more than you believe the lie. So okay. I can unpack this a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. If you see the people that have been coming consistently and you see them periodically because you're only showing up periodically or you see them and maybe you'll see them around town or you'll see them at church and you're just like, wow, they're really different. Like they're just doing good, good, good for them. Right. Like, yeah. but, but yeah. I, I'm just struggling with life. Like I just have all this stuff going on. Well, the fact of the matter is they're struggling with life too, but they've been consistent. And I would say this, 
you believe that your struggles are bigger than what you're able to commit. And oftentimes people will say, well, I just don't have time anymore to work out. And I'll say, okay, well, I get up at 4.30 in the morning. When do you get up? Wow, well, I get up at, I get up at 7.30. Okay, but, but, but I go to bed late. Okay, well, what do you do between 8.30 and 12.30? Yeah, 8.30 and 12.30 is a long time. Right? Like, like what do you I do know, between 8.30 and 12.30? And oftentimes right, yeah. it's like, oh, uh, and you get to the reality of like yeah. a Netflix, Netflix binge. Right. Or, and, and some of it's good stuff. Like, oh, that's my time with me and my spouse. Good, spend that time. How much of it are you guys actually talking? An hour? Okay, spend the hour. Right. You know, oh, then I check all my emails. Ooh, is that, is that really helpful? Is that moving? Is that pushing the, you know, or is being able to get up in the morning and get that in, is that going to be more beneficial for the rest of your relationships, for your, your mental and emotional health? I mean, I can sit there and drop science on people about how these things are interrelated and they all affect each other. But for some people, it might just be as easy as just wake up in the morning. And if you have no good habits whatsoever, just make yourself wake up every morning, put your shoes on and just go walk around the block. Just do that for two weeks. Yeah. That's it. Like we, we try to, you know, I see somebody and I go, like, I want to do what they do. So John, tell me everything you do. And I'm just going to mirror it because I want what John has. Right. Right. And so I'm willing to sacrifice what I'm doing right now because I want to get where he's at. Well, the difference is we're all different. Right. Like you're very different than me, Tiffany. So what you're going to have to do first to get that momentum is probably going to be very different than what I had to do first. Right. And in order for it to be consistent, you got to pick that thing. And so I gave, I think you were at that talk, but it was at a Be Still conference. And I talked about like one thing. Yeah. Like just start with one thing. And I, and I tell people, get alone, get quiet, do some deep breathing, and then just ask like whether it's, you know, if you believe in God, it's it's ask God because he still speaks to us and he'll provide that that answer. If you don't, I'll call it a thought experiment. But yeah. just, you know, basically go, what is that one thing that I either need to start doing or stop doing? And then write down the first thing that comes into your mind. And I guarantee you it's that thing. And you already know it and it's subconscious. And it's like, okay, so don't worry about all the five elements just do your one thing and do it until it's not an effort to do it anymore. Um, there's some really good books out. And at the last man camp, me and John gave a talk on, on heroic habits. And 40% of all the decisions or the things that we do during the day are subconscious habit. 40%. Wow. That's quite a bit. And so um, there's a book, Atomic Habits. That's really good. There's a book, The Compound Effect. We're talking about consistency. The Compound Effect shows that. These books are, are... And the compound effect really stuck with me. Yes. Because it's just one thing every day, and then it just... And then all of a sudden, you're, it's like it amounts to a lot. Yes. It, and it always will. That's the thing. And just like saving money. That. Yeah, that's right. It's the same thing. It's the exact same Save thing. Save a penny a day, even if it's just a penny. So Warren Buffett... <laughs> one day. <laughs> Warren Buffett credits compound interest as the reason why he's one of the richest men in the world. Oh, Yes. Wait, did you mention that at the police still home? I did. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe that's why it's subconsciously in my mind. Um, so what did he do? He Compound interest. Compound interest. So the concept of compound interest with, with money is the best illustration of what compound good habits are in your life and what they can mean for your life. So 
I'm just going to work out every day. Or working out every day is bad because if you just go super hard every single day, eventually you're going to wear yourself out. But um, let's say I'm going to, you know, drink a whole cup of water every day when I wake up. Or I'm going to make sure that I, you know, um, give my wife a, a hug and kiss every day or whatever that is, right? right. Whatever that thing is for you. And it's going to be different for all people. But being consistent to the point where it becomes that 40% unconscious. Hey, I wake up in the morning, I just drink my cup of water. I don't have right. to make myself drink my cup of water. And that's true freedom. That's freedom. That's freedom. Because now, here's the other thing. Guess what? That water gave my body what it needed. So now I'm clear-headed. Like, especially eating. This is where eating, people like always want to talk about fitness and how hard you work out. And I'm like, eh, it's really more about what you eat. Yeah, it's but like no one 80, wants to talk about that. 80 or 90, well, like 85-ish. Yes. It seems to go up every year. I think Jim Carrey recently <laughs> on social media had a good quote and he was talking about like mental illness. Yeah. And he basically said, if you're not eating right and you're not exercising and you're not sleeping well, you're not even giving yourself a fighting chance before right. we ever get to medications, right? Like some, like there's chemical imbalances. Some people need that stuff. But if we're not doing these basic things that we're designed and wired to do, like you don't have a chance. Yeah. And you become that. a slave to these things like whatever garbage you're eating or whatever laziness that you have. And then you convince yourself that, oh, my knee hurts or whatever. Like, I can't do it. I, I have two torn knee ligaments. A lot of people don't know that. I can yeah, take I my know. tibia and fibia and just pull it out about an inch from my knee. Really? Yeah. So when I when sometimes when I hear that kind of stuff, like, ah, you know, I have this. And I get it. I've, I tweak my knee sometimes, too. When I was training for the triathlon, I tweaked my knee. So... I didn't do a ton of working out. I did the things that I could, but um, I don't allow those things to define me or to right. stop me. Right. That's that's a really good point too, because back to like what you were saying with um, giving yourself a fighting chance, like what Jim Carrey said or whatever, um, with anxiety and that kind of thing. And I can just be open and honest here. Um, so like Brian and I, we're going camping this weekend. Okay, it's I like camping. I like it. I like it when I'm there. Um, I absolutely do not like packing for camping. Okay. And I already, and I, and I, Hey, I don't know if you know, I don't even know if you know this. I think Lauren does, but it's like, I actually, I have anxiety. The reason why I work out is because of anxiety. Mm. And, um, I, I am on medication and I am, I've been on it for years and I will probably never get off. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm okay with that. But like what you're saying with doing those things, you don't have a fighting chance. And I completely agree with that mm. um, because the fight is there. Mm. And yesterday, I'm not even kidding. Yesterday, I was on this couch that we're sitting on and I told Brian, I was just like, I can't do it today. Mm. I can't do it today. And instead of beating myself up, which would have sent me in a spiral. So I'm living with something that that can debilitate me at times. Mm -hmm. I'm successful a lot, mm -hmm. but there are times where it really does. And instead of beating myself up and being like, I have failed. I, if I had just done that workout or if I had just eaten right for this or mm -hmm. that, then I would have been better. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to, I would have been able to get off this couch and do everything I had in my mind, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. I just felt overwhelmed and I'm not good with packing for camping. I just, for some reason it hit me in a weird, really bad, weird way. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just was like laying here and 
like I and Brian he was just like he's like I he's like Tiffany I know you he's like you have been like I just know how you are it's okay like mm-hmm. I got it and um and having this situation sometimes I actually am kind of a control freak at times surprise surprise so <laughs> I have to let go and so it's like I I did and that was the first probably successful anxiety situation I've probably had in a really long time where which is kind of odd that's, yeah but that's I mean that's great that's and it's, it's see to me you talked about Brian and what I heard in that whole story was the power of the relationships too yeah. That's why you got to have them all. Cause yeah. there's going to be times where you don't have it. Yeah. And these things are like, you're just like, this is it. I, I got nothing, but you have somebody who's going to come pick you up when you can't walk anymore. And they're going to carry you to the next spot until you're like, okay, I can feel my legs. Okay. Let's get back on track. Okay. Because who you really are is the person that does all those things. Yeah. Right. But momentarily we're blinded by whatever's, going on it could be external circumstances it could be inside of us this fight this internal struggle and where is it coming from i don't know but i can't see my way out of it yeah and i've had a recent similar bout with that um but that's when you need people that know you well enough that like brian says hey i know how you get i got you don't worry about it if you don't have someone like that in your life like go find somebody yeah. Go invite just... somebody. Let them know who you... But what if he didn't know that you struggled like that? Well, in the past, he probably wouldn't have. Because I would look so bad... At, I would look at myself like I'm such a failure mm. that I would hide it in other ways. So how that would affect an elements, mm-hmm. so to speak, would be... I would say, well... Um, like, it would affect, like, I failed. Might as well just go out drinking with my friends or like just right. not just whatever would make me feel good in the moment in the moment yes. to get I don't know self the guilt or shame yeah guilt and shame of that's this right. like and letting it define me that's right so the, the reality was okay it could have been a, like I could have two no legs I could have no yeah. legs and someone be like okay I absolutely cannot continue further today because my legs aren't, you know, I'm not, my, I, my wheelchair is broken and this and that. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that's my, that's my mental state. Mm-hmm. It has two, le- it has no legs at times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. And that was that moment, but I was okay with it. And that doesn't happen. And I attribute it to those elements because without that, I would have, you know, what if I would have said, okay, well, I need, because I failed in this way, I'm going to like, I have to work out. Like I didn't get up. I, on my counter, on my step pedometer, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. I only made like a hundred steps. So I'm going to beat myself up and I'm going to do 20,000 steps tomorrow. That would have been me like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like I probably would have like, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. self um, you try to self-medicate. You try to help solve the problem yourself. Solve the problem. Like, I failed in this area, but I'm going to overcompensate in this area. And you end up just feeling like crap. That's right. So someone could say, use it with food. Someone could use it with working out and, you know, whatever. But because, I don't know, that to me was a huge, huge, huge victory. Because today, I got up. I started my day. Yeah. I started doing the, ch- the checklist kind of thing. I was just like kind of prayed here and there, went on a walk with a friend and Brian was just like, you seem a little different today. 
And I was just like, yeah, I am. And here we are. That's right. So had I believed the lie. That's right. In the moment. In the moment. That was debilitating. Like it's It it's truly real. was that debilitating. That fight is real. Yeah. It's not, I'm not, it does exist. Yes. I totally agree. It does exist. And so, but I don't think, I can't remember a time where I did not let that define me. I mean, I just hate that I have that, you know, I don't like it. So, but you know, it happened, it, I got through it quicker, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm back on track and it's like, life is happening. Because who you really are is the person that is intrigued by this stuff, is the person that, the thing that, the passion, that little fire inside of you, that reason you started this podcast, mm-hmm. right? That's who you are. That's who God made you to be. And that these elements that I talk about, the best way I've, I've kind of figured out to describe this is you're a seed that already has this pre-programmed DNA to look this certain way or to grow this certain way and produce this certain fruit. And you're starting that and that's that DNA and that seed and that's what you want to do. But the rest of this stuff is setting the conditions. It's making sure you're tilling the soil. It's pulling the weeds, those things in your life that need to be pulled out that are distracting. It's watering it appropriately, whether that's nutrition. It's working out. It's, you know, tilling the soil, like I said, you know. Those things, I feel like we're all seeds and we're all destined to be fantastic and great and do these wonderful things. And that's how we're designed. It's pre-programmed in us. All we have to do is help set those conditions. And guess what? It's already there. God does the work. But guess what? That's when the transformation happens. And the reason that you're able, in my opinion, that you're able to recover so much is you've started setting these conditions and that DNA and that sprout and that like what you're blossoming into and the fruit that this thing is delivering is because of that. And guess what? Even though one day the sun doesn't come out, right. that doesn't mean that doesn't stop, you know, keep growing. Right. And there's going to be days that we don't go pick the weeds. Eventually that weed gets big and we pick it. Right. And I think of that as weeds is kind of like the sin in our life or the things that are distracting us away from our true calling or who God designed us to be. Like eventually if we... And if we have people around us, they might help point out, like, hey, you got a big weed there. It's right. pulling nutrients away from your what you're designed to do. Yeah. And those are the things where you have somebody right next to you that can help you. You have somebody that, hey, you couldn't till the soil today, so that person did it for you. That's that's the best way I can describe it. And I think the more you really believe that you are that flower, that, that tree that produces that fruit, and that's who you were destined to be, not destined to be this dumb seed that can't produce any fruit. That is the lie. Right. You know, and it's the more you believe that, the less days you're going to have or the more you're going to be able to work on the conditions around it, the faster it's going to grow and the right. more fruit the, you're going to produce. And the compound effect. The compound really, effect. Really, I mean, really what was, the con- like, quicker I recovered, I'm moving on. Yeah. Moving on, moving on, moving on. And that just did not happen for a really long time. You know, it was so much about me doing the right things and doing the, I mean, you know, I think in the culture of working out, say, or eating is all about, well, how much have you done right? Yes. And when you don't do it right, well, you've kind of slipped so Well, and we allow that to label us. Right, yeah. We take on that as an identity. Right, and it's such a... Like, I'm just non-consistent. I'll never be able to consistently, like, eat good. Well, what is that really supposed to look like for you? That's the other thing is when people talk about diets, it's like, 
No, a diet should be something that provides you the proper nutrition and the proper amounts that's sustainable for you and your environment. And guess what? Nobody else is you that lives in this house with your family, with your background and heritage, that has your DNA and genetics. So your thing should be tweaked and slowly adjusted to what is sustainable for you, provides you the proper nutrients, makes you feel healthy, and can do that. Like, I believe that God made all this stuff, so the closer form that we eat to its natural state of what he gave us to eat, the better we are. Science kind of proves that. The more man messes with it and messes with it, the more the less healthy it gets for us until you end up with a Diet Coke and a Twinkie. Right. right. Like, yeah, that- it's like, I know. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, golly, I feel so good after eating eight Twinkies and a pizza and a Diet Coke. I mean, it's very rare that your body actually feels good after that. I don't think it's ever happened. Right. And if it does, you're lying to yourself. Right. Like, but it adopted. does taste good in the moment. But really, really over time, I think if you just, if you were to just have like eight pizzas, I don't know, whatever your yes. thing is, like 10 donuts a day. Yes. You would eventually, I think, be convinced that at one point, one donut was enough and that was it. To me, that seemed inconceivable. Yeah. Like, at a long time ago. Now yeah. I don't really think about it. It's like, oh, I just want one donut, you know, whatever. Bite, like, you just, yeah, just good. like that. And then I can move on. Yeah. Whereas when I was the fittest I ever was in my whole life, mm-hmm. um, I all I could think about was donuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and- <laughs> like, like... No, that was, it's not worth it. It wasn't worth it. Like, and that's where the, like, the fittest I ever was element so different in a sense that it's really not about the physical, right? That's the draw. And it's easy to invite somebody to come with you to go to a workout, but that's not really what we're after because here's the deal. Let's talk, let's go through the donut scenario. I I love donuts, by the way. It's kind of an inside joke. I bring it up all the time. I know. Yeah. I I think you do like donuts. Is that kind of like you're like, if you're going to have, no. Okay. If you're going to have a treat, if you're going to have a treat, what would it be? Honestly, like, which is not, I mean, in the morning, a maple bar, like a really good maple bar with a cup of coffee is like, wow, that's awesome. In the evening, it would be like, a really good flatbread pizza or or homemade uh, pasta dish with like okay. a glass of wine. Okay. And that sounds enjoyable. But see, here's my problem: like I will eat a metric ton of that stuff. <laughs> like there's no off switch. There's no like, oh, you're satiated and full. Right. It doesn't. That switch was disconnected at some point in my upbringing, <laughs> so I can eat a lot of it, and I will continue to eat a lot of it. So. That's where, but, but I love the taste. I crave all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like on the donut scenario, the donut. so let's say, okay, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm working so hard. I just want this donut and you eat the donut and right away you're like, wow, that flavor profile is amazing. It's just soft and fluffy, just enough sweet enough. It's like, oh, and with coffee, this is great. Yeah. And then 20 minutes later, you kind of got a little bit of bubbly gut and a little stomach issue. And then the mental side sticks in and then it goes, I was dumb. You know, you shouldn't eat that whole donut. Like, you know, better than that. And you like these voices start coming in and then this like guilt for like, gosh, why did I do that? Like now my stomach kind of hurts and, and it starts affecting all these other areas. And what I'm saying is the physical has such an effect mentally on us. Like there's, and I think we disregard that so often and it's so important. I mean, you've talked about, how some of the mental stuff that's going on will actually like 
incapacitate you. Yeah. Like you're laid on the couch. Right. A couple weeks ago, I guess, I didn't even know where it was coming from. We had a neighbor girl coming over. Um, she doesn't know. Hold on, just what's Okay. <laughs> okay, so after that interruption, so... So wait. we were talking about, like... Uh, How I was debilitated. Yes, and then I had a similar experience a couple weeks ago. Where okay. basically... Um, I had a bunch of outstanding issues that were unaddressed at work with Element, with this other concept that I'm working on, and there were decisions that need to be made, but I was really thinking about, yeah, if we do this, then here are the multiple consequences, and um, I help lead a business that like you have to think about those second and third order effects, and so I just had a bunch of these outstanding items that um, decisions that needed to be made. Well, over time... I started getting so much tension in my back, my upper back muscles started like locking up and I had a, and giving me a tension headache. I literally had a headache for five days. It was to the point where I was taking pain meds to try to go to sleep at night and waking up in the morning in pain, excruciating pain, could barely sit on an airplane, had to fly to Texas for a business meeting and fly back. I was asking for prayer, I was the whole bit. To the point where these these items, these worries, these kind of things in my life almost physically paralyzed me. And it's it's real. Like the things in our life that we go, oh, that's just mental or that's just emotional. We're an integrated being, mind, body, and spirit. And those things, those other things left unaddressed will impact you. I mean, you just research what cortisol can do to your, you can have everything perfect on your diet, everything perfect working out, and the stress alone will cause you to be almost like pre-diabetic. Right. It's, it, it can just wreak havoc. And so um, it's important that we're healthy in all of those areas of our life. Right. Um, spokes on a wheel. Yeah, that's a, I, that is a really good um, visual, you know. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, Brian had mentioned something too, like in our culture today, like back in way back when, when, I I mean, I'm getting all of this messed up, but the thing I walked away with was, is he said that back in the day, people really only worked like 220 days. And so we work all the time, you know? And so I've been thinking lately, it's just like, within accepting myself and say anxieties and how it's it's a progression progression in culture even of just people struggling with anxiety people taking medication with anxiety it's um kids are struggling with anxiety this and that and you know people say technology people say um all these things and i just kind of sit back and i think do we really rest like do we really give ourselves like what if yesterday when i was on the couch my body was just like enough mm-hmm. you know you can totally. label it what you want yeah and um and i know what it feels like to not be on meds and that's crazy town sometimes you know i don't want to go there <laughs> but like i know my body needs parts of that mm-hmm. um and genetically it, it speaks as well mm-hmm. um but i mean the power of rest and what rest really looks like like you can actually be resting and gardening mm-hmm. you know some for some people yeah or you could be resting and playing with your kids. For some people, that would be really stressful. Um, mm-hmm. There's, it's just like finding joy in things. You know that you. What is joy? Mm-hmm. Like, is joy 
you know, eating 10 donuts. No, I mean, not necessarily, no, it's not true joy. Like what are those things that are really bringing life to you and things like that too. And then when the really hard stuff comes of just those things, it's like you kind of are better to distinguish what your body needs too. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I think even with like training my kids too, um, one of the best things that I've been given is out of the three kids, two, two introverts. Well, and Brian's an introvert too. And that has been profound in my life because it's like, you don't want to go do what you don't want to hang out with who, like I am all about just, you know, and they are home bodies, you know, and they retreat. And so I've learned a lot about like what that they can actually be happy without being around people. Well, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, like, yeah. One of the just, things I'm studying now is kind of the lost spiritual disciplines of mm, like silence and solitude. Right. And a Sabbath where you just take a day and you just don't do anything. And um, it's, think about how many times we've just sat in silence. I mean, literally right now with our, with as much stuff as we have, bombardment with information and, and all of that, um, very rarely do we ever get to the point where, it's just quiet and I'm going to sit here. And most of us would go nuts after about three and a half minutes. Like mm-hmm. we just drive ourselves crazy. But the question I have is, should we, you know, should you maybe, maybe that's what we need to do is force ourselves one day to go on a walk and sit on a park bench and not bring a, not bring your, uh, your, your phone. Yeah. Don't put your headset in. Don't ring. Yeah. Just sit there Unplugged. and stare and do it for a period that's longer than it's comfortable. Cause like what we we're saying, like there's, growth beyond the comfortable right like that's where you got to go and so i totally agree there's these lost kind of um ways of life you know and brian kind of was referencing that there's these lost ways of life about eating and family and and all of this kind of stuff in silence and solitude and and even fasting there's you know fasting and intermittent fasting and people are like oh my gosh like all the benefits and it has massive scientific benefits but like fasting's been around since like the bible was around right and it was a common practice well naturally i mean they even call it fat well yeah they did call it fasting but it's it just goes to show you that those things like science is proving right a lot of the stuff that was these like old proverbs and you know kind of stuff that's going on it's yeah, science is proving that that's right. Mm-hmm. So fasting is good for you. It's actually good for you. Um, silence and solitude, having a day of Sabbath. Like the, I'm studying this stuff now and I want to get to the point where I'm working on it with me and my family. And um, I have this new thing now is like, you know, uh, becoming uncommon. And I just feel like we're always becoming. Um, People look at us from the outside and they go like, oh, you're just different. You're just like special. Like you're gifted in this area. And it's like, no, not. It's that compound effect. It's what you talked about. It's I know who I am and who God made me to be and what he designed me to do. And then I try to set the conditions in my life to allow that to grow. Yeah. And to become the full plant produce as much fruit as it can possibly do. And that's, you know, like all the different things that are associated with me and the way that I grow in that way. And but at the same time, I'm always becoming. I'm never there. Right. People may appear that from the side, right? That's that. And and the other thing you talked about is like, uh, well, why is this? Why is that? I feel like one of the ways that we just absolutely destroy our joy 
um, in this life and is by comparison. Oh yeah. Contentment, like comparison is the enemy of contentment. Right. And so comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. It's right. Of all of it. Right. Think about that. Like, Oh, well I go to this workout and I feel like I'm killing it. And then I see that John's done and I'm like starting round four. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not killing it. Well, no, you are killing it. Like, you're doing great. You're leaned into, you're pushing your your avenue. And but as soon as I compare it to somebody or there's also it goes the other way. It could be now now that I'm putting myself down, like, hey, compared to this person, I got this thing wired tight. Right. right? Like, yeah, it could go they're all a train different, wreck, right. You know, and then pride starts to set in <laughs> yeah. and all this other sort of stuff. You're a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. it's Either way, whether you're comparing and you think you got it all figured out or you're comparing and you think, like, I'm just a total mess, when you can stop and interdict those little thoughts and go, stop, why are you doing that? Why does that matter? You know? what? Being who you are, who you're made to be, the seed that you were and the tree that you're designed to grow into and the fruit that you produce is beautiful. Right. And that's amazing. And if you just believe in that, and you really understand who that is and what that is, then you're going to be okay if that fruit's different than somebody else's fruit. Right. Because it doesn't matter because your fruit is specifically designed for a purpose. Well, and I, I think that's like when you say people wanting to look at you and say, what is it that you have that I don't like that? Um, I think it's people spot that in others when they see security in themselves. It's like, I think when like someone says, to, says like, I want what they have, mm -hmm. you know, it's usually that they're really secure with themselves in some way or just content, you know, and that's not necessarily bad to compare in that way. Right. Cause that's just you seeing, I mean, are you, do you agree with that? Yeah, like, I what do you think? Like that it's very, like, it's uncommon to see somebody who's very comfortable like we we identify i think it really boils down to let me back up to identity okay to true identity and i would say if someone say who are you i'm not gonna say that my job because i'm not who my who I, my job is like that's not who i am that's what i do at times right right um i am one of my roles is a father one of my roles is a is a husband hopefully a good one i'm working on that yeah um us too yeah. always a work in progress We're, like i said becoming <laughs> yeah. right um but it's that's just a role who i actually am and who i really believe i am and i've done a lot of time in silence and solitude and praying about this and asking and listening and writing down what i was getting and validating it with other whether it's through other people or through scripture or through whatever and it's basically I feel like I'm a kind of a first sergeant. I'm meant to come alongside leaders and really challenge them and make them better and prepare the troops mentally, physically, and spiritually. Like my job is that of working with other people to identify what are the weeds they need to pull? How do, do I help them set the conditions in their life so they can become and, and God can transform them into the greatest tree with the most fruit that they can have. It's not my job to do that for them. It's my job to help them become aware of those areas in their life. It's not my job to run the greatest organization in the world and be this out front leader. Who I am is the person that partners with people that are already people of influence. And that could just be your people of influence in your house. Right. right? Like your kids look at you every yeah. day. They're watching everything you do. You're a person of influence. And my job is to come alongside those people and help them set the conditions in their life mentally, spiritually, physically. 
And by doing so, it doesn't matter if I'm a VP and I run a division at work. Really, I'm doing that with my team. That's all I do. If I'm coaching an element workout and starting element, that's all I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm designed and made to do, who I am. So it doesn't matter if I got let go of my job. Why doesn't it matter? Like, why would I treat that any differently than somebody else? Because I'm not what my job title is. I am this person. And if you ask me to go do this in another area, can I go do what I'm designed to do? And if the answer is yes, then I, right now I don't really care what you call me, what that title is. I get a chance to do what God made me to do. And so that comes across as like this peace and confidence that other people are like, what is like, how in the world? That is not normal. Right. right? (laughs) That is, that is very different. And, and I think it really boils down to if I don't know who I am, but I'm powerful at work. So really my whole identity resides in that power at work, or I don't know who I am, but I work out really hard and I have this great, like, you know, figure that everybody aspires to want to have. You know, then that becomes kind of my identity. Well, what happens when that goes away? Right. What happens when you lose that job? Mm-hmm. Because you're holding on to an identity, which is not who you actually are. And I think that's a lot of the problems that generates. Because now if you are who your job is, Tiffany, like where your role is in that job. So what happens when that goes away? Or what happens now your anxiety is? How do I keep this? Because I don't know who I am if that goes away. So I'm fearful of anything that's going to threaten that. And I'm going to do abnormal behaviors to try to protect that. And that starts to run your life. But when I know who I am, how I'm made, if I'm doing what I'm made to do, I quit my job at one point to start Element. We went from two incomes in Florida to one income here, downgrade, downgrade in-house, learn to live on less, to me quitting my job with no income, Doing consulting work, starting element, donation-based nonprofit. We had so much. We had a blast. We had a baby in in uh, June. I quit my job in July. Wow. And it's because I knew the job who, that you moved out here to be. The the job I moved out here for. For yeah. And I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to do. And then when I got an offer to go back to work, it was in a. Uh, kind of personal management in charge of like human capital or human resources, if you will. And I thought to myself, well, this is just what I do. doesn't matter if you call me head coach or it doesn't matter if you call me a VP of human capital. My job is to make people better, to show them that I love them and that they're designed for a specific purpose. And they have the, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And once they find out what that is and they set the conditions around them to allow that to transform and blossom, they might not actually even work here. But if they're doing that, that is infectious and that is special. And that is the best gift that I could ever give somebody. I agree. I agree. And, and even backtracking when I first, um, when I, when we first started talking on this podcast and what you would, when I even first really started talking to you outside of the podcast, you had said you were not really, um, people like you had hard relationships in work. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I was. I was a total jerk. Okay. So you were a jerk. Yeah. But yet you're. But I'm guessing that you that somehow that jerk part was c- coming into fruition of really who you are. 
like maybe there was fine tuning some of the ways you went about well, I think talking the, to people or what? Yeah, so my like identity. How did your, yeah, like how did that change to your now? Because now you're like not that person, but yet you were in that role, right? Yeah, I think so. The, what happened? The when I was young and upcoming and in the business world and, and this whole process of me coming to reality was somebody in my MBA told me that nobody wanted to be on your team anymore, even though we had the best team. We had the best team. We dominated every competition. But And then someone said, hey, when they reshuffled teams at the end of year one of my MBA, they redid the teams. And other than the one lawyer who was already on my team, nobody else wanted to be on my team. And they're like, basically, you're a jerk. <laughs> but it was it was a guy from Africa. Who, wait, so wait, is this this is when you were doing your MBA? Like, what yes, is that? During my MBA. Okay, so you were what? Like, you were in competition for just like uh, you have separate teams and you present business cases and you do you do it. You did a lot of teamwork. Their, okay. Their whole theory was the soft skills, presentations, writing, teamwork, that's what real business is about. Okay. Not just about mastering the subject. Sure. So we're going to do a lot of that. So we ended up doing just a ton of that. But anyways, it's, we like always like got the best grades and, but people didn't care about that, but I cared about that because my identity was performance. Ah. It was tied to my performance. And if I was top in my class, that's who I was as I excel. I was, you know, I was going to do the best job as being a bag boy in my very first job. And I got to be a stock clerk faster than anybody I got into stock clerk because it's performance based. It's my performance is who I am. And it's then I'm going to go do the same thing at, at I went to a CPA firm and I wasn't a CPA, but I ended up leading this book of business that was the largest. And I wasn't even a CPA for this like senior partner. And it's like, but it was all performance based. That's who I was. That's who, and so in order for me to continue to perform, I had to, for people that were assigned to my team, you had to meet this performance standard because that's who I was. And so I held them to it and I was just a complete jerk, not understanding who they are or, or what they need or, or their perspective because I had to protect who it was or my identity. And I can look back now and I can see it plain as day. I didn't think that's what it was then. Right. So then how did it transition into... It's, a softened Hayden. Well, I think as, as soon as that person brought that up, I realized that my intention, my true heart's intention, wasn't to make people feel inferior or less than or to belittle people or to not listen or any of those things that were brought up to me as like these are the reasons why. Um, that wasn't my heart's intentions, but that was what the behaviors represented. Right. Like that's what I was projecting and okay. that's how I was acting. Got it. And that paradigm of what I was chasing caused my behaviors. And so it wasn't until I went, well, that's not what I really want. And then over time found out, you know, and this is a journey. I meandered. I mean, I still did performance stuff or maybe it's my job, my identity. It wasn't right away that that happened. Sure. But it was the first time I was aware of, I need to make, I need to ask people what they perceive my intentions are and why I'm doing something because why I think I'm doing it is not what's projecting. And so I started this process of, of being open-minded to hearing what other people had to say and, um, and not chasing what I wanted to chase. And then it wasn't really until we moved out here until I started listening to some of the Jamie Winship um, uh, 
we call them talks, but really they were just like recorded, like him talking at a men's retreat or him talking at a church or, or whatever. And he had all these stories and he talked about like, you know, God still speaks in present day. And so I'm like, what? I didn't know that. Like, yeah. And so I started doing what, what we call listening prayer and just listening and writing stuff down and then validating it through the word. And then this is when all these crazy, like God story miracles started happening. And I have one with Lauren. I have one with my job. So when I quit to start, well, let me back up, tell you a little story about this. Yeah. So Element's been going. Mm-hmm. I'm working full time at the time at the job I came here for. But four days a week, I was training people in the morning for one hour. And then I would go to work. That's what I think I kind of, well, no, I would enter way later. But I think when I first entered, you were still was, training. Yeah. No, you were training in the 9 a.m. class. Right. So I had already Wait. quit by that time. Okay. Okay. So normally it was just working out the 530 class, 630, go home, shower, go to work. And Got I did it. that for almost a year and a half probably. Okay. And then um, we went to man camp. And in man camp, they give this like presentation and there's an axe award or whatever. And and I got called up to receive this axe award. And it was so weird. I'm, I'm standing on stage and they hand me this award and I'm going, why in the world would they give this to me? Like, I have no idea. I don't even understand for in the least little bit. And so I go back down after the thing and I sit down and I'm just completely surprised and taken aback at what just happened. And they start playing like worship music and stuff. And I'm just sitting there kind of like, why? And I just asked the question like, why did they give this to me? And all of a sudden, I just like overcome with emotion. I just start bawling. And the thought, just super prominent thought. I basically can't even hear the music anymore. And this thought comes in my mind that just says, you're spending 55 hours a week on a company that's dying. You're spending four hours a week and I'm changing lives. And what would it look like if you reverse those two? And I'm just like sobbing at this point. Oh and I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever you want. And I come home and I'm like, Lauren, I really feel like I'm just going to quit my job and I'm just going to do Element. And the forensic accountant's like. Forensic account. Wait, like how are we going to pay the bills, dude? Right. Like how does There's that practicals. work? practicals. Yeah. No, I mean like, it, yeah. like legitimate. Totally. Right? right. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a really good question, but doesn't matter. And, and honestly, there was a point where I had to wrestle with, we talked about belief at one point at the beginning of the podcast. And I had to wrestle with, Hey, well I read in like Matthew where it talks about, don't I take care of the you know flowers of the field and the birds of the air? Don't I feed them? How much more do I love you? Won't I take care of you? Why are you worried about this stuff? And I've always read that in like, Oh, that's neat. Like, yeah, I believe that. But do you believe it enough to like Actually. step into that call and walk away from that? And so at one point, like, you know, um, once again, it's something that Jamie brought up is like confession is just telling the truth about what you believe. And so at one point it was like one night I'm sitting there thinking about all this stuff. I can't get this thought off my brain of like, Hey, I'm supposed to go do this. I know I am. It's that same feeling I had when I knew I was supposed to move to Oregon, right? Like super prominent. I know this is of him. So, and I just finally like, not literally on my knees, but figuratively on my knees. I'm like, all right, God, I know the truth. I don't believe that you're actually going to take care of my family. Sure. I don't believe that you will financially provide for my family. I got to like, feel like I got to set all these apparatuses up and uh, I can't let go of this wheel. I can't just the truth. There it is. You already know it, but there it is. I said it yeah. out loud. And but I that just, was freeing. I set it out. No, not, I mean, cause nothing changed right away. Um, 
And then I kept talking to Lauren about it, and she'd be like, no, were you crazy? You think we moved all the way out here so you could start a CrossFit? what she kept saying. And uh, and so then I prayed, and I'm like, you know what? In addition to not believing that you can take care of my family, I don't believe you can change her heart. Like, I don't believe that you're going to do that. And I just – I didn't say anything to her, but I just said, I'm going to stop trying to convince her. I'm not doing it. So if this is really of you and, and you want us to, to do this, then, like, I'm not doing it without my wife. I'm not doing it. And – it was probably months later. Months? I, months later. Uh, I come home, and then, and work was rough, right? It was, it was a tough situation. The company was going bankrupt. It was, it was a tough situation. But she walks into the bedroom one day, I'll never forget it, and she just goes, all right, why don't you just quit and start Element? Wow. And I was like, for like- real? <laughs> and, and she's like, sure, what the heck, you know? And, wow. and then, you know, then the... Okay, so now you've checked that block. Now are you really going to quit? And so I'm like, okay. So I put in my – I get my resignation ready. I go in and I tell my boss that I'm going to resign. And they kind of flipped out a little bit. And this is on a Friday. And they're like, no, 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 no. Think about it over the weekend. We'll give you whatever you want. Come back on Monday. And I didn't – I didn't – I didn't tell him at the time, like, no, you're not going to change my mind. Like, there's nothing that you can change my mind. So I just tell him, all right, I'll, I'll tell you on Monday morning. So I come back Monday morning, and I didn't even really think about it because I'd already made up my mind. I knew it was of him. So uh, I come back on Monday morning, and I just tell him, like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving, you know. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and my phone rings probably two hours after that, sometime during that day, right after I had done that. And it's somebody that I hadn't worked with since I was in Florida. And this person was like, hey, are you still at, you know, XYZ? And I'm like, yeah, but it's funny that you call because I just put in my two-week notice. And he was like, well, what are you going to go do? And I said, well, I'm going to go start this fitness thing. And uh, I don't know, I'm probably going to do some consulting on the side. You know, I got to figure out how to pay the bills. And he said, well, I just want a government contract and I need some help and you can do it. So I'm going to write your new company a contract. And I never called anybody, and I had a contract. And there was a couple times during the back half of that year. And remember, a month ago, we had a newborn baby. Right. Isabel was born. And we started Element, and I did this consulting work on the side. And we would get to the point where we would be running out of money that would get built up. And somebody would call me and go, hey, I hear you're consulting now. Do you want to? do this or, or yeah, you want to do this? And I'd be like, ah, I'm not really qualified for that. They're like, that's okay. Wow. And, and that's what, what happened stuff. was, is I confessed. I didn't believe. Sure. Um, I know now that it's not, it's not solely my responsibility to do that. Do that means that I completely neglect all that? No, but I do believe that God provides now. That's not solely my responsibility. Um, and my wife believes it too. She got a chance to go on that journey. I was open and honest with her about what was going on. My core four is what I call them, not the fat four, but my core four, they knew everything that was going on, my confession of what I really didn't believe. And they got to see all these things happen too. Right. And so in addition to it growing my faith, like they witnessed it as well. And from there, you know, we did element for a while. Uh, I felt like it was time to do a transition did same sort of thing, same sort of like praying into why and took this new job. And so I I am working full time now. Um, I do coach element a little bit, but John honestly is, um, 
you know, like we talked about you and this podcast and, and how like you're, it's growing and it's this passion inside of you and it's producing this fruit. Yeah. Right. And it's well beyond anything you could have imagined. And I feel like John has that same burning desire and passion and he loves people and he does such a great job of loving on them and, and, and allowing them or they then allow him to speak into those other elements and he can help set the, them set the conditions to allow that growth, to find out what that seed, that DNA for them, their identity, their purpose really looks like. And maybe that takes a while, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like what you keep saying too is how individual it is too. Mm-hmm. And the things that I thought were fruit, what someone might look at is not necessarily what really what like what really was like I mm-hmm. never thought that me having a good anxiety day where I'm not beating myself up <laughs> would be fruit yes like I never would have ever thought that and yet I have so much freedom and happy and joy from that like that experience you know and I think yeah I just I love talking about all this stuff because bringing up two very important things I think people struggle in faith out of faith is when do you step out in faith and where like like people will say um like where do I put the work into making something happen versus having faith mm-hmm. you know and I think for a guy too I think that that's hard. really hard extra hard in a different way because you're providing for your family, you know, and I think it takes a lot of, um, you know, we're in that right now, actually, Brian, you know, he like, he usually has two jobs and one right now is like, he's usually a professor, um, online and that job just went away and they didn't renew it for summer. And so we're, here we are, you know, and, um, and I'm like, well, okay, I'm doing a podcast. Like, here we are, you know, it's not going anywhere, you know, like as far as like, I'm not going to stop it. Mm-hmm. you know, obviously. And, um, and so here we are in this, and, and it's, I think when you've had times in your life of faith where you've had to go balls to the wall, so to speak, or just be completely and utterly vulnerable, feeling like there was no bottom there to catch you when there really was, even if you didn't feel it, um, it gets easier. Yes. So when you take that step that you can't see the bottom, but there's something there, mm-hmm. you're going to be more willing to take the step next time you feel called to take the step. Yeah. The first step is always the hardest. I think because so too. Because what if it's not there? Right. And what I would say is this, that piece of it, that fear that like, well, what if it doesn't work out? What are you putting your faith in? It's either in the negative outcome or in the promises that you so-called believe in. Right. Where are you putting that faith? Because I can tell you by your actions where you're putting it. You might not say that to your like to someone's face, but right. your actions tell me yeah. what you really believe. Right. And either you don't believe that there's going to be sound footing there because you can't see, or you do and you're going to be willing to take that step. It might take a while. Don't get me wrong. It's not right. easy. Yeah. I'm not saying any of this well, stuff that's is what easy. Well, gra- that's what grace is for. Yep. That grace is huge. I've depended on that grace. That grace is for real. Yeah. And it's like I've been more prone to be like, okay, yeah, if you want that to happen, fine. I'll just, you know, God, I'm just going to let it come to me. I'm not going to like. Oh. <laughs> well, and I think that's where you, you, you mentioned this, but you're right. Um, I believe there's like, you know, like there's a verse that he's a light unto our path. Yeah. It doesn't say he's our feet and he takes the steps for us. Right. 
right? Like you have to take the step. There's yeah. action required on our part. Well, right? and like, it's free will too. Yes, free will. Go. Like, and you don't have to take it. Right. Right? You don't have to. And, and how do I know? I get a lot of questions like, well, how do I know that, that what I'm feeling is of God? Well, there's a bunch of different ways. But if you have this core four and you're spending time with him and you're, you're reading, you're in the word and you're doing all these things. One thing in the Bible, like there's a thing when there's a pattern or repetition, like there's a point that's trying to be made. Yeah. Right. It's almost like marketing. You got to say it seven times before they actually hear it. Right. Well, the Bible kind of has some of that in it. Like there's repetition. And then that repetition, you're supposed to stop and go, okay, obviously there's a point trying to be made here. Let me circle back on that. So in those moments on every one of those moments, there's been something that's like, oh man, I think I'm supposed to do this. And then randomly, either two other people will be like, hey, have you ever thought about doing X? Yeah. And I'm like, stop it. Shut your mouth. Yeah. And then, or I'll read in the Bible of a story of something like that happened. Or I'll read in a book because I read in addition to sometimes I'll be reading another book and it could be secular. It could be spiritual. It could be sure. I read all the time. But something in that book will be exactly a story of somebody who did exactly what's been put on my heart. And then I go talk to the my guys that really know what's going on in my life. And I'm like, hey, here's what I'm getting. Do you guys mind praying for it? And someone will just say, you know, I, I just got this strong feeling that you should take this. Well, when that happens five times, there's my pattern. There's my repetition. And it's like now the question isn't faith. Do I believe that's from him? Because at that point, there's enough repetition. I don't believe in that many coincidences. So I believe it's of him. Now it's a case of obedience. Do I really believe it enough to do it, to act on it? Do I have the courage to do what it is I've been kind of put on my heart? And that's where my whole first part of my life I didn't. Didn't really have the courage to do that, nor do I think I was really listening. Right. Felt like my conversations with God looked more like a text string where it was all blue bubbles. Me sending little snippets. Yeah. And then when you got the little like the... The, the bubbles where he's trying to respond and then I'm on to the next question, right. the next <laughs> request, like, right? Or for me, it was, yeah, it's just totally, yeah. Well, you, you like what you're saying is you weren't really like listening. You were just kind of saying what you thought. Yeah, I would just do my prayer like, hey, God, it'd be great if you could help me with this and pray for so-and-so and do this and this and this. And um, I don't know what you want me to do here. Okay, thanks. Amen. Move yeah. on to whatever else I'm doing. Right. It's like, well, hey, do you, do you want some guidance there? Because <laughs> you got to shut up. If you want some guidance, you got to shut up and sit right. there for a minute, right? Or like, some people are like, well, I'm just going to pray because that's what you do. Like the whole relationship factor. Like yeah. it sounds like from your walk and your journey, and I think what a lot of people who are like in, um, in spirituality or not in spirituality is like maybe wanting that spirituality, but is like, how do I get that? Like literally, like, how do I hear God? How Mm -hmm. do I know if it's that? And then just getting away from performance based, like relationship with God, because Christian or not, performance just doesn't cut it. Right. Right. So, but I have had people even on from this podcast be like, because there has been a lot of, um, you know, I did not walk into the podcast saying, this is going to be a biblical podcast. This is all we will be. This is, it just so happens that God is a part of my life and God is part of other people's lives. Yes, right. And there's other journeys and other this, and I honor those as well. It's just, this is what's been real. And, but I think people want what's real too. And they, it's like 
it's if you really really think back about like when you didn't know versus how you know now like how you said the 3d effect Mm -hmm. of reading the bible i mean that is a scary place to be wanting that faith but not knowing how like what is god really going to talk to me Mm -hmm. is he really going to how do you hear his voice how do you like so me like religiously reading the bible is going to make that happen and I think what I'm trying to say and to people that are listening and what I think that Hayden has been done such a great job of just walking us through is the fact that what he's shown is, is that just walking in a direction and being open to his surroundings and being honest about the surroundings, being like challenging those surroundings Mm -hmm. and not doing it based on what you should or should not do, but based on what is all of this questioning all of that? Like if someone is not to me, it's like, okay, if someone is, um, say they're Jewish Mm -hmm. or they're Mormon or they're this or that. And they say, well, I used to be Mormon, but I don't really practice anymore. And I say, well, why not? Well, because I think that when you're pursuing something that you either believed or didn't believe or whatever, you will go eventually on a path that is right. Mm -hmm. And I do believe for me, that path is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, I think God can use any path to lead to him. And so it's like you walking and pursuing something and looking at your surroundings and being like, well, this hasn't worked in my past. Someone is saying this, someone who I love and trust is doing this, like putting the pieces together. It will happen. It will happen. Even the littlest things. Well, I think what's so amazing about that is I'm very open. Like you're being very open about God is a major part of my life. And I feel like, the guiding factor in a lot of these crazy decisions. What's great about that is I'm, I'm public in that that was a part of Element. We got a bunch of people that are either not believers or Jewish or of other faiths that come all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm very outspoken about it. What I don't tell them, and I don't beat them over the head, I think the best example you can set is saying, just come walk with me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if... It's not if, on my place. Yeah. To if, say anything, but if you see something that you don't have, I'm willing to share why I think, why I have, why I believe what, like my identity is, I feel like God given. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you get it? Well, I'll walk you through how I got it. Cause here's what you can't say. You can say, well, I don't know if you really heard that from God, but I can tell you what, I believe that I know that. And there's a whole lot of evidence to suggest in my life, actual results of things that have happened that would say it's going to be really hard for you to convince me that that wasn't of him and that these crazy miracles that have happened were not of him either right that's what i've experienced in my life and i'm open i'm open to share that with people Mm -hmm. do i think that that's going to happen in the exact same way for them nope but i think he'll meet them right where they're at right and i feel like if you know, I, I feel like the Jamie Winship says it this way, sharing your faith. And a lot of people think that's like beating somebody over the head with the Bible and telling about Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And I completely disagree. Me too. I think sharing your faith and we talk about faith is the ability to like, I have this hope or I have this, I believe this is true. And I'm going to take actions to follow that in pursuit of that belief. That's faith, right? So if you don't have faith in something, what I'm going to do is say, Hey, just come along with me. I do believe in these things. I know that these things exist. So I'll prop you up. Let's go walking on this journey together. And when you see enough of these things happen in your life or in my life or whatever, maybe you'll start to question and maybe you'll go, 
is this really real, man? This is like, I'm watching these things happen. What happens is eventually you develop the faith of your own. Right. And then you can walk on your own. And then you have so much faith, you see somebody without it and you go, hey, guess what? You don't have to have faith. Just hold on to my arm. I'll carry you. Just come walk with me. Because our walk and our example is going to say so much more than the words that come out of our mouth. Sure. And that's well, where Element's so effective right. is because mm-hmm. you get to see it four days a week. The best and the worst of people. Yeah, you can't deny it. We're all human. We're all here. We have, Might as well make the best of it. Well, figure out, you know, I mean, like, I'm a searcher. Like, I want to know what is working for me and what is not, you know? So someone on a path is just like, okay, well, this is what I believe. This is what, this is what, this is what it's about. This is what, uh, you know, this is what truth is. This is it. Well, how is that working for you? Uh-huh. Right. Like, it's all about the process. It's all about the journey and, and, and watching somebody literally take that step of faith and be like, holy moly. <laughs> I've had some of those in my own life as well. Yeah. And I had a lot of people against me in that way. And I can honestly say that when I was in the time of making a decision, I was almost like tunnel vision. Like I knew this is what God wanted. None of it made sense as well. But looking back, it was even more traumatic looking back and like, Oh my gosh, I did that. Like it wasn't that traumatic at the time. Mm -hmm. It was like, like in a waterfall where something is all of a sudden cleared and you're just walking through it. It didn't seem that crazy crazy although i had some you know people kind of like questioning oh yeah but it was when i looked back and thought wow what could have happened oh yeah you know wow i really did have that net kind of because what could have you know um so i'm all about questioning things so if someone's on a path um it's like well how is that really working for you because i think when you question and you're like you know like when you're journeying together Mm-hmm. And getting to what is true, it's amazing how actual it ends up being very much alike. Yeah, people get stuck on the religiosity of things. Yeah, you know. So anyway, I'm very passionate about that subject, and um, and just passionate about people in general. And I can tell. I think we have that in common. Yeah, and and for me, I don't know that I've always been that way. Right, like when I was living in those false identities. Yeah, I wasn't passionate about people, and that's what made me a jerk. I didn't care about your well-being. In fact, unless it helped me get to my well-being. <laughs> Right, and then, but right. but the, who I really was was somebody who really was supposed to come alongside you and help you in a way that shows that I actually care for you because I want you to uncover this gift that you are, and I want you to realize that, and I want you to blossom, and I want you to become that. I didn't know who I was, and so um, by discovering that, I've never been happier. I mean, not that it's not hard. I still have struggles. Like, sure. you know, I still have a family. We've got three little kids. We, we're trying to, there's a lot going on, jobs and everything else. Like, mm-hmm. I have the same issues that everybody else has. Um, but there is a freedom. Yeah. And knowing that all this weight's not on my shoulders. Right. You know, and, and if I just do what I'm designed and created to do, there's fruit from it. And now I love, I mean, I started this whole thing and it was nonprofit and it's, it's donation based and there's a whole bunch of people that I get more professional, you know, satisfaction out of helping that I've never gotten a dime from. And I feel like that's okay because I didn't set out. Once again, it wasn't a thing to like, it's, this is who I am. Right. I do this, whether it's at workout or whether it's, you know, 
doing a triathlon with somebody who's next to me or my natural, the way I'm wired, who I'm meant to be is to come alongside somebody and see one, show them first that I care about them and I want them to be the best and two, then help them prune and, and till the soil and get the right, what is the right sunlight for you and what is the right vitamins and minerals and what are, because ultimately at the end of the day, if I can help in any way, shape or form, that seed turn into that plant by helping you set those conditions, making that aware to you. That's that's the thing that makes me more satisfied. Like it makes you feel alive. Yeah, it's when I do that, time stop like stands still. When I get to talk about this, I feel like time stands still. Like we've been doing this probably far too long, and you're gonna have to edit all this stuff. But oh, I don't think so. Only when someone like ring ring the doorbell. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I. And two, I think especially hearing from a man's perspective, too, because, you know, with um, with with if you're, you know, being the main breadwinner, breadwinner, if someone is a main breadwinner, you know, in this culture, too, that we're in, it's like, well, where you're getting your fulfillment, you know, like fulfillment mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And so, like, you're basically saying because you're being your true self. And honoring your true self and what you've created to be, which has nothing to do with your performance or anything, nothing mm -hmm. that would gain anything except fulfillment, mm -hmm. is has absolutely really nothing to do with you, except that you're a part of it. Yeah. It has everything to do with somebody else. It has everything to do with somebody else. And not that, like, oh, once you figure that out, like, everything just clicks, because it doesn't. I think the biggest struggle no. I have in that is I can coach people, and I've because I'm becoming more of who I feel like God's designed me to be, I'm actually, I feel like fairly good at getting with people and coaching them yes. on the nuances and, and making sure that they, except for my kids and my family. Mm. Like, like that's my biggest blind spot. And my wife would say that to anybody is like, wow, you can go have these talks and talk to all these people and you coach all these people and these great things are happening. And you're changing lives. Like you got three girls at home and I'm right. like, and I really struggle with that one. It's like, yeah, yeah but how do I do that? And there's, so it's not all roses and cupcakes and right. Tootsie Rolls. It's like, I struggle too. And it's like, okay, well, how do I do this? And how do I, you know, I ask them, do, do you know that I love you? And they say, yes, but I struggle with that. The b hardest relationship I have to establish that and help them set the conditions is my own family. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's a, you know what, that's a really honest statement. And I bet you a lot of people would probably feel the same way. I mean, with me, like, people would say, wow, you're really nice. Or like, you're really, you're really good with people and blah, blah, blah. But Brian and I's relationship is completely different. Mm -hmm. Like you would never know behind closed doors what our relationship is like. It is not like what is portrayed with my relationships with other people. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying yeah. it's different. Yep. And that's a growth in and of itself. That challenging situation or not challenging or just, or beautiful in a different way kind of, it it's building me in a different way. I can appreciate that now better, but um, but there's been times where Brian's just like, you realize, I'm getting like the bottom of the barrel right now. <laughs> like you are, and now I think it's like functioning out of grace at times. Yeah. You know, it's like that grace is such a beautiful thing because there's some things in his life that no one would ever know. Mm -hmm. That I'm just like, oh, like I just it's doesn't it's okay now. You know, but. I think, you know what's so cool about that though, Tiffany? Um, here's another saying that I've learned over the years is that yeah. you can't give to somebody else what you haven't received yourself. 
Amen. And, so, and, and if you don't believe you love yourself, how much love can you really give to? Yeah. And so that grace, like if you don't really believe that there's grace given to you for all the mistakes and the different things that you screw up or the areas that you feel like you're deficient, it's going to be really hard to be graceful for somebody else because now there's expectations and there's like, you got to meet this and like, what, what's going on? And you keep failing me here. And, and, but the fact that I know that I'm totally flawed and I know that, that God still loves me and my wife still loves me, even though there's probably plenty that she should be like, Hey, hit the road, Jack, but (laughs) she gives me grace, but I have to receive it. If I hold Mm. on to that and go, I still owe her something or I still owe God or Or I still turn inverted. Like I'm failing. So then it becomes self. It becomes my identity. Like once again, I take on that as a, who I am. Well, I'm just a horrible husband, right? Right. I'm just a, I'm a horrible father. I'm just never going to be, I'm just a bad dad. That's not who I am. Right. Right. That's not who I am. I'm actually this like, sergeant that like helps leaders and prepares the troops and like well isn't that what my children are yes so okay figure out how to do that right yeah it's like love on them show them that you love them um be able to develop that rapport where you can point out and i tell people what's made me a better business leader is having to walk up to somebody and tell them that they have a really ugly squat like figuring out how to do that in a way that doesn't offend them that motivates them that eventually corrects that movement and gets them where they're functioning in the best way that's going to benefit them. But how do you do that to a total stranger? Right. Your squad is ugly. We're going to have to work on this. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that would be uncomfortable. I never really thought about that. And so having to do that multiple times over years, it's the same conversation when you're at work and somebody's doing something that's not appropriate. Yeah. And it's like, one, I got to show them that, that I actually want them to be successful. And I, so there's been times I haven't done that and it hasn't played out well. I've just come in straight to correcting technique right. and it doesn't work that out fires. well, right? But who I am, the more I am who I am, the more all the rest of this stuff seems to go well. Right. And that's why you got to find that. You got to know that identity and then you got to set the conditions to allow that identity to flourish. And guess what? From that, yes, is everything going to be roses? Nope. But I know exactly who I am and I receive grace when I'm not that because I know I'm not perfect. I'm okay with that. And if I've received that grace and I actually believe that and I forgive myself because I am forgiven, now it's my obligation to give that to you because I've been forgiven for stuff that I didn't do. Okay, you showed up late. You didn't do your part. But you know what? I'm going to have some some grace for you. Yeah. And then you have to accept that. Right. And then if I accept that, then I can give that to somebody else. That's right. And then blah, and it goes down and down the line. Do you think that it's, you know, thinking about family too, it's that your girls are the thing that you love the most. So there's that intensity of probably easier to feel like a failure too in that way because you love them the most. Like, what about that? Like, if you think about that too, it's like you're, you're, and when you think about performance, if that is like a weakness or whatever, and then you look at the things that you love the most, the people people that depend on you for their own life, mm-hmm. you can see where it would be hard to have grace for yourself. Yeah, and I feel like that's how I feel. It's they are the ones that you gave them life. They're of you, mm-hmm. and then your wife tied to that too. I mean, there's just so much combined in that. I think it's complicated. With so here comes the truth. It's complicated. More complicated with your wife. Okay. So if me and John walked up to somebody 
and we had different ways to coach a squat and we're both trying to tell him how to coach a squat and I'm correcting this and he's trying to correct that. And he's telling me, don't use that way and don't use that terminology. And, and so that's where I think parenting maybe is more difficult when it's like, yes, you have two people, but we're different people and we have different perspectives and we were raised differently. Our family of origin, the way we were raised, all that stuff matters right. in the way that we approach our kids. And so if I'm coaching a class and I know Tiffany, I don't feel bad walking up to her and she knows that my heart's in the right place and hey, let's work on this. I don't think you're doing this right. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Let's fix this. When we do it with the kids, I may have an idea of where I want to fix this, but I really need to make sure that what I'm feeling is also validated by my wife. So I'm not just, you know, coaching the kids or making them into something that I want them to be that we haven't agreed is a characteristic or whatever for our kids that we want. Now, this is all esoterical, like out in space. Most of the stuff, like just being good character and that kind of stuff, that's fine. Just do what you got to do. Right. But I think it's complicated when you're two people trying to coach one person. Yeah. And so I think well, parenting married, is more difficult yeah. because of that. Right. It is. So parenting is harder for you. Ours is more, um, parenting kind of comes easier for us. I think for us, it's more, oh boy, like outlooks on how things should be like daily, like, like almost in every he looks at like if you're looking at a beach ball, I think someone has used this before, and he's seeing red and I'm seeing blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not until I look at the other side of the ball where I'm like, oh wait, yeah, yeah, I do see what you're, what you're seeing. You know, I, we're like stuck on the other sides of the beach ball on everything. I think the one area that we really do mesh well is the parenting. I don't know how that worked out, but everything else, it's like we completely think differently. But through the years. Has it not helped you grow? And, oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane. How long have you been married? Uh, it's 12 years. Okay. 13. So yeah. for for me, I needed that. Like, I sure. needed that opposite. I needed that different perspective. And now that I realize that I'm not right a lot and that I need that grace and I need that, it's it's made me want to consider somebody else's perspective. And rather than just assert my my opinion and Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do, which is what I would have done early in my career. Right. No, this is the way we're going. This is how we're going to do it. And you're going to do it. And if you don't, you can take it. Well, and that's what I was wondering, like with Lauren, like if that was how it was in the business place, how was it at home then? If you're like, no, I think I always, you know, she, she, for me was, you know, I always tell her like, I'll kick my coverage. Right. Like she was the, what I felt was so much better than anything that I could have, uh, come up with and and right away i mean our very our first date our second date i just felt like she was my best friend like i felt super just comfortable around her and although we were different in ways and um i've always i don't know i just always had this thing for her i'm just she's amazing to me and and still i you know it's almost like i told her the other day i said i'm more in love with you now than i've ever have been and i think that's because i know more about you and and the flaws and the all the different aspects and um i i not that i love the results of some of those things but i love the fact that i know it and i'm okay with it and i and i love who you are and i never want to have to figure this out with somebody else ever again like that that is like you are just so special to me 
because of like what that brings and all the goodness that comes with that and everything that you've been able to provide to us and the family over the years, like you can never make that up. And when you just stop momentarily and you just take that out, I was actually mowing the lawn and I was almost in tears just by how thankful I am to have someone like her. So in the moment, it's like the anxiety attack. When there is the like flood and all the negative thoughts of yeah. like, gosh, like, this. you know, put this away. Or like, why is this a, you, you have to interdict that mm-hmm. and go, okay, but what are you going to allow this to do? Right. What is really That's, truth? Yeah. That, what's the truth here? And the truth is she's amazing. Like, and she's not the fact that she left a cup out. Like, stop, just pick it up. You idiot. Like, you know, right. help out. Be be that area and oh by the way we're kind of opposites like you guys are so then stand in the gap because don't you think maybe that's why you're put together so right. you can kind There's of something that attractive gap? about the opposite yeah and so in the areas that i'm really horrible i'm horrible planner as you try to figure out like tiffany tried to schedule me for this podcast i think 19 times and i just like <laughs> no, planning okay. and like committing and scheduling is just like not my deal Lauren in the middle of a vacation is already planning and has booked our next vacation. Like she is just, but I need that because we would never go on a vacation if it was always left up to me because it'd be last minute and it'd be like, Oh, let's just run down to the park maybe and camp out (laughs) there. Right. It'd be so horrible for our kids. Yeah, Yeah. And so there's, there's so much more benefit in that than the little things that potentially get on your nerves. Right. You just appreciate those, that those are the little things that get on your nerves. You can flip that and go, I'm so thankful that it's just those things. Yeah. Like all of a sudden the negative things are like the positive things. Cause it's you're like, like, I know what those are. Yeah. I can live with I that. I can deal with those. I can live with that. And it's so far outweighed by the great things that I get from her. Right. Right. Like that's, and so in that moment, once again, like working out, if you do that four days a week and you can recognize those lies and that voice and where they're coming from, in that moment when you want to just go off, where's that coming from? Yeah. That's that same stinking voice that told me that I couldn't do it. And the more repetition you have for hearing that voice and for hearing God's voice on what to do, the better you're going to be at perceiving. And so the reason that I go to Element or that I ever started doing that, when I when that turned the corner for me was because I want to have more opportunities to uncover what the lies I really believe are, to change those over time. And I want to be able to identify that same liar voice in the other areas of my life. Because those are causing me to do things or believe things about myself or somebody else that are lies. And if you can just come away with that, and people are like, oh, it's a workout, it's super intense. It's like, you're just scratched. Like, you have no idea. Right. That's not even what we're about. But yes, that's, it's still intense. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, you're going to feel like you got in a car wreck for the first three days, but it's what you're going to get out of it. It's almost like those little things in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh, like my car, I can't sit down. Like going to the bathroom's tough, all these kind of stuff. But if you get what we just talked about out of this and you start through this core group and this relationship, you start getting people that you can trust and rely on. And you have this, this newfound like uh, identity and you're seeking what that is, even if it takes months and you're getting mentally tougher and you're identifying that voice and you're now equipped with a system to till that field, to know how much water to do all of these things. And all that's going to do is that's going to set the conditions to allow that transformation to take place in your life. 
And what is that going to look like? For, like, I don't know. I know. We don't make this cookie cutter thing. No. We just set it up to, I, I love getting to see what people blossom into. Right. It's very different. Everybody's very different. But each one of them, you get a chance to look at it from the outside and you go, oh, that's special. Right. And everyone has it. Everyone you know? has it. Everyone has it. And so like, and I think too, I just, I just so appreciate talking about this too, because you know, I think people with the technology of Instagram and Facebook and seeing transformations of life. And if you just do this, you'll get this. If you just do this, you'll get this. But what I, what I hear you saying over and over is how individual it is for somebody. Mm -hmm. If everybody could encourage each other for their individuality, like whatever the process is, go through the process and see what happens. Yes. You know, if we could say that on Instagram, instead of saying, if you do this, do this, do this, you know, but, and then you fail. But we won't talk about the failure yeah. part. We'll just talk about just do this, do this, do this. You get this. It's just this. It's a false achievement. And then when you get that achievement, you've worked so hard for, and then you don't feel for the fulfillment. For something that's not you. Yeah, for that's something why. that's not you. You're left floundering, mm -hmm. and it's a lie. And it's like it's not about. It's God's not saying I don't want you to have. I don't want you to have. Um, a healthy body. It's not, he's not saying, I don't want you to be what you want. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's like, it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's, I've made you something with a specific purpose and a design. That's so much more than what you're going after. Right. You're going after a beach body. Cause you have a vacation going to Hawaii or to Florida. That is so much less than what you could be doing. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe the things that you're doing are a part of that. But slowing down and asking the questions and looking at those other areas and going, I want to be super intentional in these areas. I want to seek what the guidance is. And kind of something I talk about is I think each of us have a blueprint. Yeah. And my blueprint is very different from your blueprint. Right. And what the foods that I should eat to maximize that portion of my nutrition is different than you. The kind of workouts that I need to do is going to be very different than the ones you need to do. The community that I need to have and the way it's structured probably is very – I mean – I've just seen some ladies operate and they just ladies interact with ladies very different than guys interact with guys. Absolutely. Right. So those things need to be structured in in such a way. And oh, by the way, I should be seeking guidance of him, the Holy Spirit, and like the whole time Package. and going, okay, hey, I saw it. The first thing I need to do is I need to cut this out of my life. That's going to be my focus. I'm going to draw a calendar on my mirror and I'm going to say check a box every day I get to do it. And my goal is out of 30 days in a month, I want 25 days to have a checkbox. So I know I'm not going to hit it every day. That's okay. Yeah. But 25 days, to I'm going to, 25 yeah. days, I'm going to do it. And guess what? By the end of 25 days, it's just kind of like, oh, well, now I've hit these last 14 days and I'm not even really thinking about it. Okay. So what do I do? I go back and get some silence and solitude and sit down and go, what else? And you know what? You probably already know. Right. Because while you're going through that, you're like, ah, okay, I'm doing that one thing. Okay. I'm doing that. That's good. Yeah, now I could just add this, but I don't want to. I don't want to mess myself up, so I'm just going to do my one thing. And yeah. you go back and you write that down. It's like I knew I should be doing this. Okay, let's add that in. Right. I race my little calendar and I go. This is my next one. That's right. the compound effect. And guess what? You're not going to see the results in two months. No. You may not even see them in a year. But you're going to look back four years from now, and people are going to be asking you all these questions, like, "How did you do this?" and Hey, this podcast and this, you know, like you must just have it all dialed, Tiffany. Like, how do you work out and maintain a fam family and do all this kind of stuff? And it's like, oh, if you only knew right. how basic and simple it was and the things that you do 
is not going to be necessarily the things that help you. Now, what I like, we like to say, those kind of same principles, those buckets, those five elements. Yeah, I think if you're not, if you have those that one of those that is really weak, it's going to cripple. It's going to limit your ability to actually grow and flourish. Does that mean you won't grow? No, I still think you can grow. But if all of those, as a farmer, if all those conditions are perfect, you have just a like record crop. Right. You can miss some of them periodically and have those mistakes. You're still going to have a crop, right? Right. But my, I guess, like, and this is what I brought up in Be Still, one of my things that I think about now is I want to try to get to what is it that God designed? Like, what did he have planned for me? Right. Can and I if live I out? really, like, like, what does that look like to get there? Right. Because it's beyond what I can dream or imagine. Sure. So what does that take? It takes me to set the conditions in certain ways to make sure that we get all these things to allow what he's already designed to take place. I can do that. Right. Or I can at least try. I'm not perfect. Right. And to really go outside of, is it really just, like, are you really trapped to just wanting a good body? Is that all you want? Like, what if you were to be like, all of it. Like, I want a good family. I want to be able to go here and do this and love this and do, I mean, all of it. Like, setting the bar so high in all areas of your life of just dreaming big, you know? Like, like it, do you know? It's, you get, here's the problem. And it's, we see it all the time. People come into Element and they're like, oh, I just got to get ready for summer. Right? Bathing suit, is bathing suit time coming up? <laughs> like, it's time to, and it's, I'm okay with somebody coming in with that initially mm-hmm. because, you try to get them with like all the stuff we're talking about. They're gonna be like, "Oh, this is weird. Like, right. I'm out of here. Get me out of here. This I just not, wanted to you do sit ups to do a workout and lose ten pounds. Right. Right. That's right. what you start with, which is okay. But what you'll realize is, if that's my goal, I will eventually achieve it. Potentially, usually when it gets too hard, you'll quit because it's superficial that goal. But if it's about me and what I want and my thing and that's my goal, I'm gonna achieve it and it's gonna be unfulfilling. Yeah. When your why is about something bigger than yourself or other people, you'll do so much more. And when it it really gets hard, you'll go, I can't quit because it's not about me. I want to quit. This sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. But it's for my kids. And the, the way to kind of equate that, and people are like, well, I don't understand what you mean. Well, here's what I mean. You know, you have to swim this mile thing or whatever. And if you do it, you win a million dollars. Okay, and so you try. You've never trained swimming. Maybe you make it, maybe you don't. There's a boat next to you, but you get to quit whenever you want. Or maybe it's, hey, your kids are missing, but if you swim this mile, they're going to be found. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you one thing. If it's just for you and your million bucks, there's going to be a point when your arms, you can't feel your arms, you're exhausted, you've swallowed a lot of water, and you go, ah, it's not worth it. And if that's just a six-pack abs and having a couple thousand Instagram followers, there's going to be some point where it's going to get so hard where you're just going to quit because that goal is not worth it. But you do anything for those kids. Yeah. And if that means you swim until your arms fall off, you're going to die trying to make that happen. Yep. And so when your why, when your why is something bigger than yourself, bigger than a six pack, bigger than, you know, looking good in a bathing suit, when it is, now when you hit those points and it's I got either got to lean in or I got to go back to comfort when I go back to comfort that means I'm staying right where I'm at with what I got 
When I lean into discomfort and there's growth on the other side, that means that whatever it is for me, it's helping other people get better. So I'm constantly learning how do I do that better? How do I become more of who God made me to be? Because the more I do that, the better I help people. And that's a good goal. That's a great goal. And it's bigger than you. And it's something you want to attain or get to. And it's something that is fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, when you hear a story, when you get to see some of the stories of Element, and we're going to work on some testimonial videos of how, and it's really, no one's going to talk about their six-pack abs or what physically it's done. Maybe they'll talk about, because that's like this phenomenal side benefit. Right. Like, oh, yeah. And... In addition to that, we're going to throw in free that you feel really great and you're in great shape and you, you know, lost 20 pounds and all this kind of stuff. But what they're going to talk about is all these other things. Right. And that now their goal was selfish and of themselves and whatever. But now their goal is, you know, like Nate Dawson, who was one of our first ones who started uh, an element in another city around here. And he said, because I have to bring this to my community. I can't be selfish anymore. I have to bring it to somebody else. But now he's the... He's an executive VP of a nonprofit for um, for uh, adoption agency, international adoptions, all God's children international. And his goal is like, we got to go get the eight million children in orphanages. Like, we got to take care of them. Wow. Like, it, these are the sto- like these right. are the. This is what's I coming from. Script that. That's right. like God put that in His heart. Right. He set the conditions around to allow that to flourish and like Bam. take off. And then you have other people, and it could just be. I mean, I remember my wife when she first started even working out. It was, I want to be able to carry my kids up the stairs in the case of an emergency. And then she became really, really strong. So she could not only carry them, she could probably throw them up the stairs. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but it's like, why is that? If her, if her motivation for working out that hard and for getting under a heavy back squat and repping out those reps was, I want to have a good booty for, you know, summertime, is she really going to add that extra five reps? But if she thinks about, you know, if there's something going on, am I going to be able to grab all three of my kids right. with everything that I have on me and be able to run? I mean, John, you had John on the podcast. Well, he, we didn't talk about this, but you're, I think I know what you're going to say. When his daughter got hit by the car, got hit by a car and he literally picked her up and ran. And I can't remember what the distance was. And so was he there when it happened? Uh, I, I think he was around. Okay. But it was pretty close to his house. But he sprinted there, I think. Okay, because she was on. Picked her up. She was in a crosswalk, right? Yes. Okay. Picked her up, and ran her home to take her to the hospital. Wow, and she was not small. She's not little. She no. was like a high schooler, right? Yeah, I think she was middle school, but she's she's a tall. She's a a yeah tall and muscular, like a really athletic girl. Right. And so, and muscles. Way. And so, and he picked her up and ran home with her. And okay. adrenaline's pumping and stuff like that, but had he not, I mean, though, he trains he just, for that, right? That's what he, yeah. Yeah, just like my picture, you saw my picture, and and you know, it's like I think thirty-five to forty pounds difference. John's picture of when he was just a runner, marathoner that he was talking about, yeah. If you've ever seen that, I can show you that picture. Okay, he is a beanpole. Really, it is, and you look at the John that we know now, and you're like, it is almost more mind-blowing than looking at my fat picture to now 
and it's amazing and it's like the weight and i look at when i say the weight that he carries doesn't mean necessarily the additional um, muscle mass it's the what he talked about when shelly was at uh, police academy right like yeah. the weight which is being able to lift up those others around you in need right you know and that's we talk about that all the time that's what we train for we train for to lift the weight of other people around us we train to change our community we train for those kind of things we constantly remind that as a byproduct you're gonna look good in a bathing suit right yeah or you know and if it's not perfect you'll be okay with it yeah because that's not who you are right it's not it's doesn't define you it does not define you but you are you will be i mean i always pride myself on the fact that i can carry like 20 grocery bags at once from the car it's like i got it i got it all sherpa sherpa <laughs> sherpa me up you know and i don't have to go out to the car more than once yes you know like stuff like that like or just to be able to walk with the kids or push them in on a bike like that takes a lot of work going on a trampoline well i don't really do that as much anymore because of well i pee when i jump on the trampoline but that's a different <laughs> that has nothing to right. do with that's, anything right i've heard that with jump ropes as well <laughs> yeah. so I'm aware. But like just being able to say, hey, I want to go run a 5K. Let's do it. You know, being able to be spur the moment, you know, that's, I like living like that. That's mm -hmm. fun. That's right. It's fun. And you guess what? That's how you were designed to live. Yeah. And that's when you stop and you go, I was supposed to be, you know, I, I look back at those days and that picture that you saw and someone asked me to go play football and I say no because one, my body probably can't handle it. Two, I'm self-conscious. I don't want to go to the beach because I don't want to take my shirt off. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to what I'm saying right now. Oh, sure. So yeah. I just keep saying no. So what am I missing out on? I'm missing out on one, the activity, but the fellowship, getting to know is my brother-in-law. And I wouldn't go play football with him because I was scared and, and self-conscious and I didn't want to run and I was out of breath and all of that and my knee problems and all this kind of stuff. I had excuses for days. So what do I do? You just isolate. Well, I'm not going to go. You guys all go. I'll yeah. just stay home. And then you think great things happen in my mind while I'm sitting at home and they're all at the beach having fun, right? Like that's what I'm talking about. So those spokes just start crumbling and that apparatus just gets smaller and smaller and you get into isolation and isolation leads to death. Yeah. So I know we're going to wrap this up, but I was going to ask you too, like what made you start CrossFit? Like what was the thing that, because this was before... Element. This is before all this stuff. Like, what made you from that picture be like, you know what? I'm gonna start working out. Like, what was the drive there for you at first? Um, I, I had had gym memberships and gone to the gym and. So you were kind of working out. Well, just kinda... off and on, but I would go to the gym and you would have this program in your head of like, oh, I'm gonna go do back and buys and chest and tries and all these like the common, <laughs> yeah. you know, leg day on like Wednesdays, <laughs> like, and and I would go there and you would have this like, here's what I'm gonna do, or I'd print it off or get some. And then you got people at the normal gym that are like, oh, they're all like all the benches are full. So, well, then I just get frustrated and I'd go do something else. Well, then now I'm not following my program. So I'm like, well, screw it. I'll just go do this for 20 minutes and I'm leaving. And then pretty soon that happens to you a couple times and you don't get in this rhythm. And then I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not seeing much of a difference. And so I'm like, heck with it then. I'm not right. doing this. Like one, I didn't want to come here in the first place. Two, I can't do what I want to do. And I'm not getting any results, so why would I continue doing this? Right. And then one of my buddies at work, the CrossFit gym that, that we started at was right next to work. And he said, hey, you should come. This is so much fun. Like, they time it. It's more like high school sports. 
and I hadn't had camaraderie or that like oh, yeah. since playing high school football. Right. And so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll I'll try it. And it was crazy expensive. And Lauren was like, you're not going to do that unless you like can show me that you're disciplined and you wake up and work out and eat better. I ended up eating like a, a paleo type diet and lost a bunch of weight before I ever even started CrossFit. So okay. nutrition is what I kind of started with. But I had to do these things to prove to her before I could go spend the money to go to Got CrossFit. It. Forensic um, accountant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's pretty smart. <laughs> she, she knows what to do. That's a good motivator, though. And yeah. then, so I did that. So see, I, I earned my right to go to CrossFit, and I started. Yeah. And immediately I fell in love because there was this, like, people challenging you and pushing you and, and trying to make you better, but also encouraging you. Like, when you start most of these things, like, you're the last one done. Yeah. Last one working out. But rather than like people flexing in the mirror and taking their Instagram selfie, there was no like people are ch- are around you like saying your name or like doing the reps with you and like cheering you on, and you don't feel like you're isolated or alone or you're not good enough or any of that. You feel like I'm a part of this team and they all care about me. And I worked my butt off and I was out of there in an hour and I got the best workout that I'd ever gotten in an hour, and I went. I don't care what that costs. That's going to be cheaper than me throwing away 30 bucks a month at this membership that I don't go do. And I don't see any results at. Yeah. And I love these people that I'm working out with, man. They just like, they care for me more than almost anybody else does other than my family. And in some cases, I think that people in, in like a CrossFit box, they probably get more caring than they do out of their family. That's probably the only community they ever get. Right. And that's why CrossFit blew up and, you know, it's had the success it's had. So really for you, it ended up, the whole journey of it all really was having to do with the community. That's what it sounds like. The community. The, the community was the big draw and then getting to Oregon and then the Fab Four or whatever. And then just So I went that. to multiple CrossFits here actually. Oh, you did? Okay. I did, yeah. Okay. And I would go periodically. And There's not really a lot too close. And there? it didn't have that. No, it wasn't close. So going there and back and there wasn't a, a shower at the one I went to. So I would have to drive all the way home. So timing didn't work great. Mm-hmm. And then the atmosphere was just different. It didn't have that family, that camaraderie, that same thing. And I remember Lauren, you know, cause she was a CrossFitter at the time too. She'd been going for a long time and neither one of us could find it. And she goes, well, if you can't find it, be it like, make it. Oh, well, there you go. Right, so she's always, she's like the genesis behind all this stuff. She's like the, kind of two steps ahead, and then yet she's kind of, yeah, she's an interesting So, that's, it, you know, she doesn't get a lot of notoriety, like, I'm the face of it, and people know it as, you know, founder and all that kind of stuff, but really, you know, she is the one that, that helps push this along and enables all of this stuff to happen. We talked about it at the beginning, but I think it's appropriate to talk about it now, that Without her willingness to shoulder that load at home and to, like, allow me to go out front and allow me to quit my job and kind of all this kind of stuff, without her willingness and faith in me and faith in God that God was, you know, giving me yeah. these things, um, none of this happens. And I'm probably working in a job, you know, making a decent, making a good living and living a comfortable lifestyle that's unfulfilling. Right. And now I live this crazy lifestyle that's so fulfilling. I call it life on adventure. Yeah. Because, and if if I felt the need to quit my job tomorrow to go do something, um, I would have a conversation with her. And if she was down, we'd do it. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Like, and that's freedom. That's life. Yeah, that's, that's life. true life. That's, that's living life. life of adventure that's fulfilling. Yes. And that was one of my things too. Like when I was growing up, when, um, you know, like um, growing up, I would go to like church camps and stuff and be like the term in the Christian world would be you're on fire, mm-hmm. you know? And the one thing that I prayed about when I was young, like in the high school time, was just like, God, I don't ever want to lose that fire. Like where you're, where you are on adventure, you know, like, cause you see adulting and it's yeah. adulting, right? but you see adulting with fire and it's an adventure, you know, and it's, I never wanted to lose it. I have at times, oh yeah. seasons, but I've always been brought back to it always. And I think that that's such a gift. But I feel like for me, when I'm doing what I'm created to do, I lose track of time. It's life giving, even though I'm working out or like dumping myself out. It's life giving. I come out of there and I got more energy than I did when I went in. Right. It's like, so backwards. It's in well, the, and it, Jesus well, came to flip yeah. the whole thing on its head, right? right? So wouldn't right. that make sense that yes. the way we're designed is actually backwards and we actually get life when we're walking in who we're designed to be, when we identify what that is and we actually do that, that actually provides life. It doesn't suck life from us. Yeah, it provides life. And that is that life of adventure, right? Like that's really living. Yeah. We chase this pursuit of happiness and this like, oh, I want joy and I want happiness and I want this. And it's like, no, just do what you find out who you are and then just do that. And I promise you this, those sort of things will kind of come. You'll come to reckoning with that. You'll start to identify those things that are not that and they're not of you and they're not of him, but they're things that we've allowed or, or we've accepted or been done to us over the years or wounds or whatever like there's a lot of legit crazy bad stuff really hard stuff but the one thing that i know and i believe in is that through jesus like all of that can be redeemed for good yes it can all be flipped on its head he flipped the whole thing on its head and that can be flipped on its head too not that it's going to be easy and not that you can do it on your own or not that somebody else can do it for you no like that's a, that, that's that, like the last part. So the foundational verse for element, it's actually my life verse now. Okay. It's Hebrews 12, 11 through 13. And I'm going to paraphrase it and I'm not a Bible expert and I'm not a pastor or anything like that. But this is to me, it's just so meaningful. Um, it says, you know, like no disciplines pleasant at the time, however painful, which is like working out, right. Or not eating what you want to eat. Like it's yeah. like, it's not pleasant at the time, but it produces a harvest of right living or righteousness and peace. So contentment, this peace, this fulfillment. And it says, therefore, which in biblical terms is like, so, so do this. Therefore, the first thing is strengthen your feeble hands. And for me, that's like, I don't think that's an accident to say like, you must kind of discipline the physical body. It starts physically. We're physical beings, right? Like that physical body. And then it says, then your weak knees. Well, we don't have any actual muscles in our knees. But what makes us weak at the knees? It's anxiety. It's fear. Yeah. It's misbelief. It's disbelief. Those things make us weak to the knees, right? That's that figurative speech that's going, once you start physically, then you move on. Then the subsequent, for me, it's sequential. You move on to this like mental, right? That's why the physical workouts are meant to uncover this mental block, right? Start to address these fears, these misbeliefs, disbeliefs. And then it says, and make your path straight. And how I look at that is the word sin actually means to miss the mark, to be basically off the mark. 
And I believe that all of us are designed and created for a specific purpose that are that is to be phenomenal and great and beautiful and all of that. And I feel like when we pick this inferior pass in our life and we allow these bad habits or whatever they are and sins, whatever you want to call them, when you allow those, you miss the mark. You miss that fulfillment, that full manifestation of who you are designed and created to be, which is that path. And so it's like, discipline your physical body, identify those lies and that anxiety, and then start to pull those weeds, those things that are pulling you off the path to get that path straight to how God, what God created you to be and do. Mm-hmm. And it says, okay, so that's great. Like, oh, I'm, I'm on that path. And then it says, so that, which is what is the result of that? So that you can heal the lame and make them non-disabled. And what that means in the context of that verse is the spiritually disabled. So people that can no longer go on. They can't walk anymore. Yeah. Like you talk about the spiritual walk and they're just going, I'm, my leg's out of joint. That's literally lame means to be put out of joint. So my legs, you talked about this. My legs are out of joint. I can't go on anymore. But if you've gone down that path so that you can heal the lame. Yeah. And you know what I feel like that is? That's grabbing them and going, hey, I've done enough of this now. Come grab my arm and come back with me and let's just start at the beginning. And let's just go on this journey together. And so that when you get to the end of this journey, you are going to be healed, body, mind, and spirit, so that you can pick someone up who's now can't do it anymore. Right. They're spiritually disabled. Their walk is disabled. And rather than them be lame or put out a joint to become disabled permanently, our job is to come alongside them and go, hey, I have enough faith. Why don't you just invite them in to the journey that you're on? And that, in essence, is what I do for a living. That's what I'm always going to do for a living. Whether it's a coach at Element, whether it's a consultant, or whether it's a leader of a business unit like I do now, that's what I do. And I told you who I was. Yeah. And that's kind of how we've structured all this stuff. I mean, I I fully believe it, like with my life. I believe that's the path. I believe it too. I believe it. I see it. And I think it's awesome. And I feel it in my own life, in my own journey as well. I just, I just, I think it is so cool that we have sat here and talked about all this. Like I have gotten to Hayden's mind for this long to talk about all this. And it's just, I just hope out there that you feel encouraged in some way that wherever you're at is okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. Yeah. Just start there. Um, no, no mountain is too high. No thing is too bad you can do what you want it's 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 lining up those elements and just starting somewhere starting with one starting with one just pick one thing pick one and if you can't and if and if you can't even pick that one thing reach out to us and we'll help you pick it yeah you know because we can pick your brain and figure it out or something but um Hayden thank you for thank you for coming on here and talking to us about your life and being vulnerable and of course for Lauren for giving you us giving us wait giving you us right yeah did I say that right (laughs) I don't think so (laughs) for allowing you to give the time to come out here because we know she's at home grinding right now and um just so appreciate the um it's like she's here too so yeah um thank you and I will see you tomorrow at workout I think 
Either that or I'm gonna send Lauren and she's gonna make it even harder. Or Lauren. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Front slash This Topical Life. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. Because life ain't a vacation.